Greetings, and welcome to the Private Suite Podcast interview series. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. He goes by Nanoshrine. Welcome, my friend. Hey, man. How are you? Hey, doing good. Just got off work uh, a little bit ago, so I'm uh, feeling the uh, the after work jitters. Just still calming down. Oh yeah, yeah, man. It takes a little while. Eh? Yeah, I, I, yeah, an hour. It's it's one of those things where like when I'm already staring at a computer most of my day, and I'm like, all right. 10 minute break 15 minute break all right get back on it let's go <laughs> the computer, he's right yeah. back <laughs> i wonder what that does to us like you know internally in the long term you know you're just absorbing all of that straight into your to your brain yeah just your retina is like give me the the light all the light you know, I, I know that i will hit a, i will hit an age where i can no longer sit at a computer for as long as i currently do and i already just can imagine the strain of my eyes as I become 50 years old and staring at SoundCloud for 10 minutes is painful. (laughs) Just scrolling. Uh, Scrolling's the worst. You're like constantly trying to focus on the new thing. uh. Yeah, and then just little... Anyway. (laughs) How's Virginia? Oh, it's good. Uh, The lockdown is... um, I'm glad that it's slowly moving into a... uh, higher phase um it's been the, mm-hmm. the slowest in the uh, nation uh when, when oh, yeah shit. when it comes to moving into the separate phases so that's probably a good thing though right yeah yeah i mean it's it's plus and minuses but um it makes sense just because uh where it's located situationally and there is a lot more of an older population in some of the areas that i'm at too uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Cause I just, I talked to some of my friends back in Florida and they're like, oh yeah, I'm at the beach. I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work here. <laughs> that, wouldn't, that would not fly. <laughs> Crazy man. I'm still not totally convinced. I don't know if I could go to the beach. Uh, yeah. Everybody's different though. Hey, it's like, it's, it's just be uh, careful. It's going to be interesting. Be careful. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like how busy a restaurant's gonna be, movie theaters, like uh, everything's gonna change. He, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's the, like the silver lining where it becomes more of a norm and it's treated better than how it has been since centuries over here. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's it's you know <laughs> like looking over at China and Japan, like the way how they handle it, just people being sick and all of that. It it makes a lot of sense that it starts being implemented over here just for any, yeah. everybody's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, benefit. Yeah. I keep thinking about like the, the bigger picture of, of, uh, general life experience. Like for example, going to a concert, are you going to be selling less tickets to a concert because you have to make sure people stay apart? You know, how close can people get all these things? And then what happens if someone, if there's an outbreak at your event, like what are the legal ramifications? Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, there's, there's so many things about that and I'm hoping that it it will chill out with time. I know it's going to permanently affect a lot of structures for events, um, but hopefully for the better and it doesn't become awful. And, you know, when you have it's, I feel bad for some of the, the people who, who own venues that are really small because you know they they're already putting so many people into small venues and if they have to cut it down even more it's just harder and especially for the artists playing there to getting you know 
paid properly. It all has like a cascading effect. Yeah. Or is that the word? You know. Ripple. Ripple. ripple cascade. Effect. Domino. I don't know. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also interesting because things are changing so quickly that by the time people hear this episode, what we're saying right now, we might be in phase three. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> probably no. not, but you know. Who, who knows? Um, uh, it, it, it's interesting just because some of the stuff that I'm really passionate about with virtual reality, it becomes even more apparent how important um, developing in that avenue becomes mm. during times like this. Absolutely. We're definitely going to dive into that a little deeper later on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah. First, let's let's dive into you, my friend, uh, your musical palette, what you like about Vaporwave, how you got into it, you know, where your, where your musical training comes from. You're an incredibly talented musician, incredible singer. Um, I admire your work quite a bit, and I'm very interested to learn about you. So, so what do you want to know first? Just like some of the just past, like what got me into Vaporwave. Period. Yeah, let's go, let's go from like your childhood. You know what you were listening to back then. Your inspirations. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> uh, well. My father was a musician and a lot of that side of his family has does a lot of uh, just playing. I don't know if that's, they weren't really musicians, but they were all skilled to some extent. Um, and both uh, my mother and father were just huge uh, music people. Like they had massive vinyl collections and that was something I always pillaged um, when I was really young and I would get yelled at because I saw people scratching records and my dad would come in and say, what the hell is wrong with you? Don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like dad, it sounds cool. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> so I would, f- oh man, did uh, you get grounded? Oh, I got, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I was not allowed to touch the vinyl for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, but I was exposed to so much, um, just all my father was a lot in he listened to a lot of 60s 70s um rock metal like speed stuff um electronic i'm pretty sure he introduced me to craft work really early uh and just a lot of like really obscure uh local uh, electronic artist because he collected vinyl when he was a kid so he had like uh when when he would go to the record shops he would find you know local music musicians uh stuff um on vinyl so i had like these very obscure uh listening experiences and then my mother was just really big into soul r&b um 80s pop synth funk uh same my dad but he, but he was more into just like you know prog and rock and metal so i was introduced to just a pretty wide array of sounds um yeah uh and and just like an example of like when i was a child my father would make uh mixtapes for me to listen to to go to bed and he would take oh wow yeah so this is like in the 90s so he would take recordings like of classical uh pieces and then blend those with uh the sound of at a beach or rain so he was making like legitimate like asmr uh style mixtapes for me to listen to so i I just have it's so funny because nowadays uh when i hear some uh classical music 
I, I still remember maybe that exact song, but with the sound of the beach. It's a, it's an interesting <laughs> blend in your mind. Yeah. Damn, you had some cool parents, yo. Hey, you know, it was, <laughs> that was, it was pretty rad for that. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I was exposed to a lot of music early on. Uh, so that's kind of where the palette started pretty wide. Uh, I, I just like an example is I'm uh, a mixtape I, I made as a child. It had Hanson, and then on the other side, it had Boston. <laughs> so, whatever that means. That's like the ultimate comparison of uh, like the, the spectrum of music in between. Yeah, as, as a kid, I didn't really notice. I was like, oh, these are great songs. But like, it's imagine that now. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's, that would work really well. Uh, <laughs> just like passing that to somebody, be like, hey, man, check out this mixtape. Yeah. What the f- what the fuck is this a side uh so yeah i'm sure it was umbop oh well yeah well this thing was i did most of their album on that uh yeah so there were some other songs on there they weren't too bad i had that album of course oh yeah i I barely i barely recall any of it now that's just like a a faded memory (laughs) oh yeah it's just like the spots of i remember being obsessed with hansen and uh pop-up pop-up video on vhs uh, uh, v- VH1. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear, uh, I don't know if you guys had it in the US, but there was an artist that came out around the same time as Hanson. He had one album. It was called Serial Joe. No idea. No. No? Serial Joe. Joe. That's a that's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting name. Yeah. Because uh, I have no context. So the visualization of Serial Joe, I, it does not sound like something uh, a Hanson type artist would name themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's kind of rock, heavier rock, but he was a kid, I think like maybe 17 or 18 when he was making the music. There's a great song, um, if you guys want to check it out. I think it's called Mistake. Serial Joe. That's what I was listening to when I was, what, nine, maybe. Jamming out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, childhood music is so interesting. I remember the first ad of Kids Bop, and I remember convincing my father to buy me Kids Bop because I thought it would be cool. And your dad's like curating you these intricate mixtapes and here you are with kids bop i trust yeah trust me he was like what the, <laughs> what is wrong with you what a, what what happened i don't know i mean i was, I was educating you perfectly exactly no he's, he's, he's you know show me all this stuff and i want to hear kids yeah. bop uh from time to, it was it was weird like I, I the thing is i would listen to i would be like uh you know put on uh queen's reich and then I also yeah. want to listen to kids, but it was just, it's a very all over the place yeah. listening experience Yo, Dad, as a break child. Out that wiggle CD. Yo. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. So just lots of wide experiences. I think uh, it's 
I think one of like the the most, uh, I guess the an experience that sticks out in my mind is being exposed to a lot, more, a little bit more modern stuff. Um, was I think it was two thousand or two thousand one, and Toonami would do those midnight runs, and there was one episode where they all it was was music videos, and they played um, Daft the entire like Daft Punk uh, visual thing the interstellar mm. so that they played that and then they followed up with all all these gorillas songs and uh so like i think 2000 to 2001 was like when i started really obsessing with trying to find my own music it was that and uh the first cd i purchased with my own money because uh you have to be an edgy little kid uh was lincoln park's uh debut Ooh. <laughs> yeah so just imagine Good like this, this this little boy laying in bed listening to Lincoln Park scream about angst. 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 Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I used to think Chester was the best singer on the planet. Oh, same. I thought I remember back then. I was like, how does he get his voice like that? Like what are those layers? So much, so much grit. So much grit. Uh I mean he I still know. has an impressive voice. It's just it's just interesting because back then it was so otherworldly to me because I'd never heard anybody sing quite like yeah. that like i've heard yelling and screaming and like stuff that my dad showed me but it was just a different style um because it was yeah. so melodic uh, mm. with it yeah true yeah he uh and i didn't really listen to anything with screaming before that that was like my first i didn't know metallica or anything that was my first uh take on it and then i was getting into like the used oh yeah and all these like metal bands with like amazing screams and I used to think he, he was, his screams were crazy and he wasn't actually screaming. No. Now I'm all like, yes, I made that word. Oh, yeah. No. Deep metal, like. Yeah. No, we can. We, it's crazy. Uh, no, we can chat about like the metal sort of stuff because it's, it's interesting because my middle school, I started diving into heavier, heavier music. Yeah. And uh, it was it was like a mix between super heavy music and then internet based techno. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the really cheesy trance and techno tracks that were coming out in the early 2000s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was right there with you. Yeah, Did, man. did you ever hear the Pizza Man one? Oh, yeah. The guy, I don't need this shit. <laughs> you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing, dude. Oh, oh yeah. fuck yes. One a day, I'm going to Malta to Big Hotel. In the morning, I go down to eat a breakfast. I tell a waitress I want two pieces of toast. She brings me only one piece. I tell her I want two pieces. She say go to the toilet. I say you no understand. I want to piss on my plate. She say you better no piss on the plate. You son of a bitch. I don't even know the lady, and she calling me a son of a bitch. I don't need this shit.
to eat at the bigger restaurant. It's a weird, vivid memory. Uh, oh god! No, I mean like that whole middle school era was just like uh, being on Ventrilo, playing Counter Strike 1.6, and listening to like Bass Hunter. Oh, and then switching over, yeah. and then like switching over to something heavy. Bass Hunter, I haven't thought about them in so long. That they did the Dota song, yeah. right? The the, the Dota song and Dota. That was an era, man. Holy cow. Hey, yes, Nearly it was. forgotten. Thank you for the for the journey down memory lane. Yeah, no. So, <laughs> yeah, so so a lot of that um, sort of music, and then it started transforming more into heavier stuff at the end of middle school. And at that point, I was becoming more of the emo scene yeah. sort of character. So that was when I was getting into metalcore and deathcore and just the heavier uh, stuff. More emotional stuff. Super angsty. I'm coming of age. My body's yeah. changing, and so are my thoughts. Yeah. Now give me a leather jacket and some eyeliner, Mom. I, I need a I need a hair straightener, stat, and a straightener. Yeah. <laughs> a, oh I need, man, we should, I wish we were friends at that time. That would have been great. <laughs> hey man, it was a good time. I think that yeah. era, the whole scene era, is uh, it's very I'm very nostalgic for it, just because it's it played such a uh, interesting role in my life just with the music and uh friends mm-hmm. yeah did you ever get into thursday yeah yeah thursday was a uh, around oh, that time amazing people are listening they're like this is the worst episode ever are you talking, not about... talking about vaporwave at no, all no this isn't vaporwave <laughs> at all no we're just talking about nostalgic uh music i mean at that time it yeah. was just like devil wears prada and uh nice. you know just all of those sort of bands, like the original uh, "Bring Me the Horizon," not the what it is now, which isn't bad. It's just so funny seeing how oh, that yeah. developed from deathcore to uh, good, like, like power electronic, yeah, poppy, uh, yeah, poppy electronic uh, rock stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it was like that, and just like all the internet music at the time. Um, so, anyways, I'm gonna fast forward to vaporwave time uh, a little bit. So mm-hmm. I was 20, 21 and I dropped out of college to start a business. And, uh, at that time I had worked, I was working like three jobs and I saved up enough to like deal with, um, cause just starting a business, it's just paperwork. It's, it's just tedious paperwork and paying some fees and you got a legal, um, like then you got a company. Uh, mm-hmm. but I saved up money to do that. Cause I was really wanting to get into um, leading my own sort of like studio for development because I'm 20 years old and I said, I can do it. I don't care. Uh, and I was, uh, I found like this really cheap office space and I forgot what I was doing at this point. I had already been listening on Bandcamp and um, all, all the, all the outlets for the, the up and coming underground tunes. And I think this was 2012 or 13. I think it was 13. I uh, could be wrong. And I stumbled across some album. I, w- I wish I could remember, but this is like how impactful it was. I remember as soon as I found this album, I just was like, what the hell is this? And I kept listening to more and more under the tag Vaporwave. And so mm. I just went through this phase where that's all I did. 
for for days and ima- just like to picture this imagine me like in uh like this empty office at night with speakers blaring vaporwave uh by myself and yeah. like like at night and the just weirdest possible music i know <laughs> and so i'm just yeah i'm just doing that in my office I'm like this is so wonderful i'm like cleaning the office to vaporwave um and uh I was just an avid listener. And at the time I wasn't really uh, looking for what were the big albums. I actually just clicked the new tab and I was literally listening to anything that anybody had put out under vaporwave. Wow. Um, and what year was that? That was like 2012, 2013. Okay. And that went on for a bit, but then I was like, okay, there has to be something more. And that's when I started actually trying to dive in and finding, uh, where it was coming from and what labels existed because that's um that's when i saw um what was it it was uh, uh it was like the label that luxury elite started um not fortune 500 it is fortune 500 i just yeah, remember yeah. it uh fortune 500 i remember at the time there was like one or two releases and i followed it and i there was all these like little micro labels um and I remember when Business Casual had just come out around that time too. I think it was just like 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zabelli, if you can hear me, I'm sorry if I'm miscorrecting that, uh, mis- uh, <laughs> dating you. But yeah. yeah, but I remember at the time Business Casual had like two or three releases. And I remember they just kept coming out with more stuff and I just started following it. And then that led me to find uh, Echo Virtual and Cat Corp. Mm. And those are the ones that kind of really caught my eye. I think the things that I was playing the most at the time was uh, Echo Virtual and um, Cat Corp. So, yeah, that's kind of like the initial step into that. And then halfway through 2014, I I don't know why. I just said, I can make this. (laughs) So. I made a, a really, really bad Vaporwave EP, which I don't I don't think anyone should listen to, but it still gets downloads to this day. Uh it's one with that I made an audacity in eight hours. Um I don't suggest it. There's no real mastering involved. I, I crank the gain, it's pretty bad. You shouldn't listen to it. It's slowed down with reverb and it's a mess. Uh but okay. it was the introduction <laughs> yeah. to, to starting. Uh but yeah, you won't listen to it. No, don't listen to it uh, unless you really want to. Because there is one silly song that relates to like FSU, like at the in Florida at the time. That was I made some like there was a seminal rap from the '80s, and I slowed that down. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because I, I that was just the introduction to um, me creating vaporwave. Um, and I think it was later in 2014 I decided I kind of really want to really try. So that's when I opened up FL Studio and spent the time actually crafting stuff with at like not only slowing down and changing, you know, pitch and, and doing reverb, but I was also adding my own percussion and adding uh, extra things. Like I would hear uh, some conga drums and I, so I'd add another riff of conga drums or there was a synth I liked. So I redid the synth. And um, I worked on that for a little while. And that is when Porno came out. And uh, oh. yeah, so that was Porno. Uh, and I say Porno shortly, but it's Food Court Porno. Uh, 
Yes. And uh, the reason why it's called food court porno is because I was showing it to somebody's dad and they said, this sounds like a porno in a food court. Uh, and I said, there's that. <laughs> I'm, I am, yeah. I said, I am using that. That is a great idea. Uh, Two words to describe vaporwave right there. Yeah. Give me something better than that. Yeah. So I said, okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's so sad because I, I, I remember trying to rush to get it out before the end of 2014 and I missed it by like a week or two. So wow. it's, te- so technically it's a 2015 album, but I had been working on it in 2014. Those dates, they'll get you. I know. Business casual, you were saying. John got two albums in before 2014 hit. Yeah, that's that, that's probably why I remember like time wise. I remember there's only a couple, so it was around that time that I found business casual, like the mm-hmm. 2014 flip over. Yeah, um, yeah, that's wild. Uh, so, so you weren't trained as a musician. You just decided to dive into a DAW and have at it. Oh, not necessarily. I should probably (laughs) give more context. Because your parents, you said your parents were, but we didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's circle back. Circle Uh, back. Rewind. You hear the the rewind sign. Yeah. 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 So I first uh, started learning piano, I think, uh, when I was eight. And I played it a little bit, but I just didn't really, didn't jive with me. And then I I got my first guitar at 11 and I got this little electric guitar. So that's when I started learning how to play guitar. And I did that for a while and talking back to uh, middle school era, it's weird thinking about it now, but it's just something that was a part of my life um, in middle school because I was so obsessed with computers because I was getting into programming at that same time. My father was like, Hey, uh, I don't want you on the computer eight hours a day. If you want to be on a computer as long as you want, you have to play the same amount of time on an instrument. So I ended up playing for like three or four hours a day on guitar and just noodling so that I could play Counter-Strike for four hours. Your father's a genius. Oh, it- <laughs> it's so funny because I remember looking back and <laughs> like, a- I fucking hate this and yeah. now i look back i'm like that's why i know how to play guitar <laughs> and that's yeah. what you know it, it it did set me up to be a better um practice musician uh, and i say practice very lightly uh but you know it, it kind of really introduced me to figuring out scales and playing exactly and, yeah that, that's a lot just because like someone can't play proficiently, they can't wail on a guitar and do all these crazy solos and complex jazz chords. Doesn't mean they don't have a fond appreciation and like further developing understanding of theory and tabs and diatonic versus you know augmented chords and all this shit, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No. No. So let's check the more context. So it's basically you know. Uh, forced into playing music, uh, but I, I, it's okay. Like it's one of those things where people are like, "Wow, that's really intense." So I'm like, "It, it sounds intense, but really, it wasn't like I was being yelled at. It was really just being like, hey, uh, my dad saw a uh, uh, his son sitting on the computer for eight hours straight and said, hey, uh, that if you want to do stuff like that, can you at least do this other thing?' So, mm. uh, you know, that's so smart." You know, it was, it was, it was, it sounds a little bit more extreme than, than how it ended up being, but uh, I appreciate it now. 
<laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I did all that stuff. I had little tiny bands in at the end of middle school and high school that were sort of like uh, metalcore stuff, uh, where I would either do synth work or sing. And mm. so I started learning to sing. I kind of forced it. Like I, I was yeah. doing vocal stuff uh, in elementary school a little bit. And I, uh, but when I got to, I, forget, I think it was eighth grade, um, I was just listening to all these singers. And I'm sure as you know, with how the emo uh, metalcore scene started, the singers started getting higher. A little bit, yes. a little, a little bit more crazy <laughs> vocals. So yeah. I remember, I'm like, I want to do that. So I would every day be scream singing uh, along to my favorite tracks. Like in the shower, I would go into the garage and just wail, and it was awful. I, re- I I've talked to my brother about it, and he just remembers from those earlier times. He's like, "You were so bad," and I wanted to just like break the the wall down because you were just you couldn't hold a pitch at all (laughs) and i was like yeah but like that's how i got through it (laughs) it's 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 not something you just turn on it's a muscle you gotta stretch it you gotta work it you gotta be comfortable uh you gotta build your sustain you gotta build your technique um and to be fair my early technique was pretty awful because i was listening to you know emo bad singers yeah bad singers that really don't have good technique at all but i was figuring out how to sing like them Mm -hmm. yeah i just because i naturally have like a tenor voice so i've once i figured out how to break past like like a like a high b for like a tenor and into like the mixed voice and like the c d's and e's that just broke my brain i was like because there was always that hard cut off you just couldn't do anything with uh, but once I figured out how to like manipulate those muscles to do like the mixed voice where it's still very chesty, uh, mm-hmm. it gets like opened up. Cause that's when I started learning how to do, um, I guess like I, I, I did try to sing like the Queens Reich and those sort of things, like the crazy high pitched sort of shit um, that was just always up in the highest register possible um, with lots of vibrato. So yeah, it's like learning how to sing post-hardcore music and then uh, like early eight, like 80s and 70s stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, great. Great yeah. training. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. So I had all this just miscellaneous training and doing stuff in bands and uh, playing things. but And I partially dabbled in electronic, but it was really just like a, a side little thing I would do every once in a while. The last thing, like before I got into vaporwave, the last thing I was doing with electronic music was I made uh Cybient and I made dubstep because that was cool. Twenty <laughs> ten. Uh, yeah. Um, but I didn't really start learning a DAW, honestly, like like really learning a DAW until I got into vaporwave because prior to that, my father had like a uh one of those like all in ones where it had the mixer on board and a hard drive and like a, a screen. It was from the nineties. It was super so old, but it was basically everything was recorded and saved on this thing. So um, like the electronic stuff that I made, I would hook up my uh, synthesizer to this and then record yeah. it. And then I <laughs> to get it off because I didn't understand uh enough about how to to process process that properly i just hooked mm-hmm. up an aux cord and ran it through audacity 
that's <laughs> just, just hit play. All right. We're going to rip that off just real quick. Yep. Uh, it was awful. Uh, but yeah, Vaporwave actually got me to learn the DAW, uh, mm. which was ended up going FL just because I had experience a little bit with it at yeah. that time. And you're still using Fruity Loops? I am, which everybody who doesn't use Fruity Loops asks me not to use Fruity Loops. Yeah. It, everybody says, um, hey, you know, that's that's a baby DAW. But I look at them and I say, listen, this is this is my breadwinner. This is this is the old the old comfortable, the old reliable. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you need to ascend to something I like to call Ableton, my friend. Ableton. Uh but no, I've I've used Ableton. I've I've made an album in Ableton, like so I I've at least experienced what that was like, but I've just preferred working in FL. Yeah, I know. I was being those people. I was mocking them. Oh so yeah, no, sh- yeah, no. I was <laughs> I was thinking you were you were uh poking at yeah. me. I could sense, I could feel it. Uh, okay. Yeah, but um, no, I think Vaporwave is what inspired me to really start diving into more uh, electronic and bass music and DAW like creation. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to food court porno, one of the things that I tried to do at that time, most of the Vaporwave albums I had listened to weren't, um, I guess I mean it's part of the aesthetic, but it was so lo-fi that there was they were missing all the warmth. But mm. so if you listen to, to porno, I made it sound super warm and and thick, but very uh, lo-fi at the same time. Because uh, at least in my mind, I was like, why? You know, I you can get this sound, but it can still sound great uh, to some extent. And I know mm-hmm. that's uh, that someone is staring at me and saying, "Fuck you, buddy." That's that's vaporwave, and I'll say, "Listen, this this is my experience of vaporwave." Yeah, uh, but no, I mean, it's not like this. Any of that's bad. I just wanted to try something different. That's all it was. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's kind of uh, at that time, as many aspiring artists in the electronic era would do, is they pull up the trusty YouTube and search how how do I make stuff sound good, and um, yeah, learned how to to do at least some basic mastering and uh, learning how to actually use a MIDI controller correctly. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, that's been the initial experience of diving into actual production with big big air quotes. Mm -hmm. Well, you've come a long way, my friend. Uh, Yeah. No, I would say say so. Uh, Going from just pure sample-based stuff with additions to all original stuff. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you for that story. Um, let's talk about your music, I guess. Yeah. Your newest record, I guess the actual record would be Demise of Nanami. Right. You did have a single, um, Two Flames Burn as One, but we can talk about that later, I guess. Um, yeah, De- Demise of Nanami. I My understanding is that was a Windows XP... Like, friend character thing like it's Bonzi window Bunny or whatever windows seven i can't believe you would, would, would dis- oh geez. disrespect uh, disrespect her like that you know oh no yeah you know windows seven not xp not that yeah. d- not that that's not what she is not i'm not me. worthy not to me <laughs> uh yeah that whole demise of nanami thing which um 
mix of things for me. It was one, I wanted to make honestly just a bangery hype album. Uh, two, I was high off of econ one. Yeah. Uh, windows seven was coming to a close. So this past, uh, I think it was January 14th. Um, windows seven has completely lost all support. So, and it was also mm-hmm. my favorite OS and represented a very, uh, pivotal point in just my personal life. The, from like yeah. the 2008 era to like the 2011, 12 era. So I, I just had so much nostalgia mixed with so many other things that I figured I'd make this dedicated sort of funeral banger album to Windows 7. Yeah, no, it's a fucking great idea. So many people are nostalgic for Windows 7, Windows Media Player, that initial setup when you first open the program. I can't tell you how many fucking oh, times I've done that setup. No, it's it's super but, nostalgic. Yeah, big time, man, big time. Like, it's nice to have a record that is as large as this one and as well put together and well thought out and just thoughtful in general, like an homage to Windows 7. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was something I started kind of randomly. It wasn't like I planned it. It was I was having those thoughts, reminiscing, and it kind of just happened. I, the initial, and once somebody asked me if, why I used K-pop and there was a mix of reasons. I like, obviously I, I, I do love DDS. And so K-pop is a very associated thing in regards to Vaporwave with DDS. Um, but it also represented an era where I was actually listening to K-pop and J-pop for real. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I went back um, around those times and listened to some of those tracks, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this thing could slap if I just yeah. did X, Y, Z." And then it, that just led down a a path. Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck yeah! You must have been such. You must have been on such a like a a groove, you know, like in the zone on oh, a yeah. ride, like to get this thing done and just conjuring up all these new creative ideas while you're going like must have been so fun making this record oh yeah i mean be i wanted to i'm sure you saw diving through my discography it's all over the place i it you know it's a plus and a minus for not having a truly definitive sound because i bounce around so many different things but it's really just i enjoy so many different types of uh, styles Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to do the same thing over and over again. As much as I like the Sega's trilogy, I don't want to make Sega's type albums over and over again. Yeah. Or, you know, any of the other like field recording ones or the ambient ones I made or the 80s sounding ones in general. Or mm-hmm. like Sunsets. Like that was a fun time, but I didn't want to just keep making Sunsets. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was a great experiment. It was the, Those samples are so much fun to work with just because they're so bubbly and slow down those the like the vocals just sound great <laughs> i see why dds loves to use k-pop because it's it's such a great thing to work with uh, yeah uh, i Very, think uh, po- polished and refined and incredible musicians making that stuff over there well, well like the, i think that it's it's basically if if pop music over here is cocaine it's crack like it's like the super like compressed like the best pieces of pop 
But yeah. at the same time, there are so many of these uh, songs I would listen to that had influences from different eras that normal mm. pop music in the West wouldn't use. So I would hear certain scents or certain rhythms or uh, very interesting like just percussion or sounds that I would hear that you just wouldn't hear in a Western pop song, even if they came out in the same era. So it was mm. like being able to work with that, but we had lots of really cool influences at the same time. It was like a, a very stark difference within working with, I don't know, like a Lady Gaga song or a Katy Perry song or any of those like tracks. Yeah. More like instrumental and um, like fusion sometimes or classical or jazzy. Very, lots of fusion. Um, lots of really nice chord progressions, really nice layers. Because a lot of times there's multiple singers, they have, um, you know, different stanzas and different part that uh, different parts of it that build in different ways. So you have so many different uh, parts of material to work with. You're not just left with the same chorus repeated or the verse or like two verses repeated. You would have all these different styles. Like there'd be a big breakdown, a big build up, a big this, and there's just there's all this material you can work with. So. Uh, it um, still happens in Western pop, but I just, some of the influences with instrumentation, especially was just so different, like hearing uh, like nineties house or some down tempo. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden synth funk comes in. You're like, what the, f- what is this combo? <laughs> uh, so it was, it was a ton of fun to work with. Um, yeah. That's a great record. Shall we play a song from it? Yeah, man. Put it give on. Give people a taste if they haven't heard it. Yeah. Give it a, give it a shot. What do you think would be a great, uh, starter for maybe new fans of nano shrine yep i'm figuring it out if i if i'm wanting to listen to this i would say probably second or third track so flexing on these chumps with my t-mobile sidekick okay or um cutie with lime green skinnies and mitch (laughs) mismatched converses okay Um, i'll surprise you okay either of them would be great all right here we go
cutie with lime green skinnies and mismatched converse. Says <laughs> one, two, three. And there's just a big build, and then it breaks down to like a trappy-ish sort of glitch part. I I know that song, the original. I used to listen to a lot of K-pop. Hey, it it slaps. I don't know who's that. Is that Girls Gen? Yeah, it's Girls Generation. Oh shit! Two points. Two points. Swish. Yeah, no, that I, that was just such a good song because they had so many layers later on in the track so i can just throw them on top of each other and they blend super well together and then adding in like like my own sense and it just it was so much fun i loved working on that one mm-hmm. awesome man i'm glad you made it great uh great addition to one of the best uh vaporwave records of 2019 yeah well thank you it, it's 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 kind of awkward because it came out right at the end of 2019 so it went under the radar which, for a lot of people looking yeah you know, True. but it, so that happened and then it released on tape on business casual at the beginning mm-hmm. of 2020. Right. Okay. So, so you got both dates secured. I got both dates secured. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a two year album. Yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Okay. Let's talk about your name, nano shrine with your little symbols in there. What are those little symbols? That is it's supposed to be like a cute little teddy bear or something. Yeah. It was, it was a bear face. Uh, yeah, I, the reason I used that was when I was first getting into vaporwave, I wanted something to stand out among all of the just like word kanji, kanji word. I just kept seeing that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make something that popped out a little bit more, which is why I ended up basically (laughs) pulling a, uh, an, uh, an emoji like character So I, yeah. I loved the bear face, and so I, ca- I just kept it. It's a great idea. Um, I think it, it works. Um, that's why I took note of Network 91, like, certainly. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. First time I saw that, I was like, damn, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, it works. Uh, I'm glad you noticed it was a bear, because I've had people just just think it's like a star and then a random kanji symbol i'm like it's it's a face it's a bear face i grew up with ascii yeah you know i got you yeah that's that's like me too so um, to me i'm like how do you not notice that uh but yeah uh i i i recently decided to completely not i guess it's not a complete rebrand but it's i dropped all of my kanji and just went with just pure nano shrine at the beginning of this year for like multiple multiple reasons obviously there's seo and i also just wanted it to be easier uh to share with people because a lot of people end up trying to look up nano something or whatever and it's just Mm -hmm. it's not it's it's kind of hard um yeah so but i but i wanted to keep the bare face as sort of like a uh i don't know like an icon because it's it's still very much associated with me because i remember asking people what they think of when they hear nano shrine and so many people think of the bear face so i decided to just kind of keep that as like the icon like the the logo yeah yeah i see yeah well it's part of the story right yeah it's part of the lore part of the growth part of the lore Part seven there you go yeah All right. So, and where did the name Nano Shrine come from? That is a mixed question. It's hard for me to to really pinpoint because I I remember 
uh, Nano Shrine being something, I just thought it was a cool name in middle school. And then when I was in like the beginning parts of college, I created a website temporarily for Nano Shrine as a place for me to post my code and to share just projects I worked on. And then it also became a little bit of a moniker when I was making that Cybient. Um, but back mm-hmm. then it was just Nanoshrine typed out and the and pure early internet programmer fashion, the O was a zero because uh, <laughs> that was the cool thing. But, um, you know, it, it's a mixed thing that it came down to. It's a mix between sort of the, the spiritual side I have of me and then also the, the very heavy technical side of me. So like the, the shrine, this like very centering place and then nano, which I associate with like uh, nanotechnology and how that all blends together to create like this mm-hmm. bite of uh, uh, content. Ah, very cool. Yeah. You were a very creative middle schooler. Uh, you know, that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure you can develop the story over time, right? Yeah, I mean, at the at the time, I just thought it sounded cool, but then I still, it slowly yeah. beca- I started, you know, putting it together. I mean, it's I can say at least it wasn't a name generator. Yeah, so for sure. And people ask me where Indie Advent came from. Um, not a name generator. Indie was a snowboarding move I could do. Nice. And I was in. I was 11 when I did it and we were on a snowboarding trip and everyone was like, whoa. So on the bus ride home, everyone just kept saying my real name did an indie and then I just caught on. Ah, okay. Um, but indie is not a good internet username because it's taken everywhere. Right. So I needed to attack something on because people actually call me indie. They did that for like since high school. And I had a Final Fantasy VII Advent Children poster okay on my wall so i looked up and i was like advent that is a cool word that is yo. a cool I mean, let word. me change that a little bit use that perfect that's awesome and then my hand my handle was born and uh that's an old handle too like it's been around the internet for a long time you can probably find some hilarious shit if you search for it oh I, now everyone is at listening reverse is, is reverse it. searching everything and finding yeah. everything about you uh uh yeah also uh people who are interested in demise anami should just go check out the website it was something it was like a little fun, fun promotional thing going to uh demise of nanami.com made a little uh mock windows desktop with some glitching and draggable windows and a console you can use oh nice i didn't notice that yeah you never yeah go check it out and i got i, I got the tape uh, oh, it actually links to Windows 7 website. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah, so you can drag those windows around and you can actually type into that console. Oh, no. The the YouTube video for Nanami is down. Yeah, yep, I that. know. They took it offline recently and I just haven't Bastards. updated it. It was it was the Windows 7 advertisement video with her in it. Cause, oh, nice. Because that's the thing. It's not like this wasn't – I want people to understand this isn't an internet-based waifu – this is the official waifu of of Microsoft. They used her yeah. in advertising. <laughs> like it was real in North America. Yeah, it was just wild. Just big. You never see that. Yeah, you never see that stuff here. Yeah. So, anyways, people, if if you if you're inter- interested in that weird stuff, you can check out the website. It was a, it was a fun little. 
project I made in a, like a weekend. Mm-hmm. Where are you hosting it? Uh, I think I'm just hosting it because I have different boxes. I think it's on my GoDaddy box. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. You're all hooked up. I'm all hooked up. You're all hooked up. Uh, okay, what are we talking about? Let's talk about some more music. Okay. Maybe a collaboration. I know you did a whole album with Icon. Yeah. Back in 2016. And forgive me if I'm incorrect, but you may have been somewhat close with him. Like maybe you live nearby or something. Uh, yeah, we went to high school together. Oh, fucking right. There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I introduced Vaporwave to Icon. I was, Shit. I, I, it was a long time. I went on a road trip and I was trying to brainwash him with Vaporwave and I played him a few things <laughs> and he did not like it. And no. then I got to, I think it was Echo Virtual, the second album or something. And I just clicked for him and then he wanted to make it. Cause at the time he was making all sorts of music. He was, uh, um, doing guitar stuff as well as he was making electronic stuff. He was doing a lot of, um, dubstep and similar things at the time mm. so true yeah so i, I remember sh- sharing that with him and then it just he wanted to make vaporwave from there yeah yeah awesome well thank you we fucking owe you he i love icons so much if you haven't checked him out um i-a-c-o-n icon please definitely check him out everybody um what's his band camp uh, icon official yeah, yeah one of the uh, one of the great great vaporwave artists here i would say and, and honestly because he was a very much of an outsider that's kind of what led to a lot of his sound that's why he had such aggressive uh percussion because he mm. didn't realize that pretty much all vaporwave was not like that he just yeah. heard the sampled style. That's why I think his first album, a lot of his stuff is pitched down with reverb, but it's sped up. And then it also yeah. has lots of percussion. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. That's that's amazing. But that, I mean, it worked because it, it gave him a oh, different yeah. sound. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful when you get to see these different uh, styles blossom. You know, they're not just copying another's artist or another genre subgenre or something yeah uh, so it was it was kind of cool to see all that happen um but yeah i mean For sure we we made that album together as an ambient album i went to his house and we made a um we made pretty much the whole album in three days i just stayed up we, we basically tried as hard as we could to pump out a full album while i was there yeah um because he had moved we weren't living in the same city so mm. and then we just worked on it from there but it was this big uh we were inspired by uh 2814 and some of the mm-hmm. stuff coming out by dream catalog and we wanted to make something like that um and yeah it just it's a very immersive ambient experience for people who are into that stuff you should check it out mm-hmm. awesome yeah, great record. Came out on No Problema Tapes as well as Kaiseki Digital. Yeah. Uh, can you explain that actually? Two years later, they put out a digital version of it? Two years later, uh, Kaiseki? Yeah. 
that was a label created by Icon. Oh, <laughs> so he just threw his album up there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't I think see. he runs okay. it at this point. It, it's, he basically passed it off a while ago to one of his buddies. Yeah, I had not heard that. So, owned by John Salem and Formy. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, let's move on to another collab. You had one with. Uh, wait, where is it? Nazo Deoken. Uh, not butchering Nazo, that. Uh, I'm to, it's, it's been a while since I've had to pronounce Daoken. it. Deoken. Uh, uh, Nazo Deoken. Oh my god, it's been so long. Uh, you had it right. It's like it's Nazo uh, Deoken. I don't remember. Deoken. Something like that. Uh, and yeah. Somebody else. So I, I know in IRL. Okay. That's a great album too. Fun slide. Yeah. So the whole fun series is something I did. Yeah, right. Two albums. Three albums. Three albums. Three albums. <laughs> is it really? Fun Station. Oh, Fun Rink, eh? On DMT Tapes. There you go. Must have missed that one, Jim. Yeah, so... Three albums. Very cool. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the whole Fun series was uh, just an experiment I wanted to do. I The first one is Fun Station, and there was like this arcade where I was born called Fun Station. And it's very nostalgic. It was a place where people would go have their birthday parties as kids. There was a laser tag area. There was, uh, you know, all this stuff. And it was all locally owned. It wasn't like a chain. Yeah. Um, and I re- remember being in those places and how it was the sound would be where you, you would it was so muddy hearing the music and you would hear all of the uh, arcade sounds around you. So I wanted to try my best to sonically recreate what it would be like uh, mm. just kind of chilling and, and, and there, which is why the mixing is so whack. It's like the, the low end is super blown out. The mids are pretty much gone and the high end is like squeaking through. Okay. So, and it's just very, uh, you hear all of the ambiance of the arcade yeah. around you. So that was, it was just like a, that I, at the, I think I just jokingly used the term vaporscape because I was thinking of it like a soundscape mm-hmm. and then people kept tagging <laughs> things as vaporscape. So I guess it's real. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that was the, the start of that. And then I just wanted to, to do other things like that. So like the Nazo and uh, Nazo Doken one was, um, based on going to a uh i think it was a fair uh and you didn't realize that your friend had slipped you a psychedelic and Mm. it's a very unsettling album it's very short and it was just something i was hanging out with them and we just had that like just that stupid idea hey let's just do this real quick um (laughs) and it ended up doing that uh and the last one is fun rink which took from the original idea of like the arcade with fun station. But another nostalgic thing was going to a skate rink as a kid uh, that had a thing called skate world and another one called the rink where I was. And again, the mixing was so wild in those places, just crazy thumping low end and uh, super echoey highs 
and then the sounds of people skating and doing stuff. So I just took that mm-hmm. exact same thing, like going back to the music that would play at that time, you know, the bleed over from the nineties with all the, the house music and the, the trance and electro and um, taking that and then t- doing the same thing. It's similar to what I did on that first album. Yeah. Damn, man. I love that you did these. It's kind of like a, groceries style thing you yeah know? Like, like yeah very very similar sort of vibe transport yeah transporting you to the different different parts of the mall sort of like or the shopping center you know arc you got the arcade and then you got the fun store the, the slide and the thing and the laser tag and that's so awesome yeah so any, any plans for any more f- versions of that universe i have thought about it and I can think of a couple more, but it's one of those things that when it hits me, I'll do it. That's, yeah. you know, I, I, I was inspired to do those at specific times. So I don't try to force it. Mm-hmm. And it seems yeah. like you kind of get all, all the juices out for those records quite quickly within a couple of days. So, yeah, no, a lot of those are done like in a week. They're not, they're not flashy mm-hmm. albums that by any means they're really just more of soundscape pieces to put you in a setting. I'm not trying yeah. to, you know, add synth layers and add percussion, uh, which I will do sometimes, but majority of it, it's just setting. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things that you just kind of put on in the background as you're like working or whatever. And it's, it, it takes you there because it's all yeah. very seamless through the, the listening experience. Mm-hmm check out those albums on nano shrines Bandcamp. it's nanoshrine.com and follow them on twitter nano shrine easy peasy everybody follow seo it. is not so hard after all once you uh i guess you did make a change i suppose but. yeah yeah once i made the change it made a big difference i actually did notice a little bit more people finding my stuff because of it yeah um, nice. just seeing uh Bandcamp camp statistics and stuff just seeing how that kind of slightly shifted mm-hmm. yeah but uh yeah man i've got a, a big a wide array of music all sorts of styles um i've got future funk glitch stuff ambient soundscape stuff uh original uh, synth funk you know it's, it's it's all over yeah absolutely and it's fa- it's all fantastic too yeah uh, for sure uh, i own a lot of the yeah. a lot of your stuff the segas i got the bundle i got the world port got the sunsets i got the nanami i don't think i got the porno that one is rare but i will tell you now yeah. um i'm in works with a label to re-release it properly nice. as well as uh give my album impurity the album i followed it up with its first tape release oh awesome yeah it came out on freaky friendly diy right yeah and that's uh it's it's an old school label like they mostly do mm-hmm. punk stuff and uh, yeah yeah they they reached out to me back then. <laughs> so oh yeah yeah they, they well, there's lots of other vapor on there too I oh yeah no certainly uh, t- that's why stuff. i did it because i saw telepath was on there and i think uh phoenix yeah. was on there oh yeah vestige vapor yep but uh yeah no it was uh there are more tapes coming eventually uh nice 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, the last, like, if we're going to keep chatting about my music, I'd want to roughly talk about sunsets because that was just such a divergent thing compared to everything else I had done because mm-hmm. it was all original. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vocal style too. Yeah. Because I had started singing in vaporwave before that I done some singles and so many people wanted me to keep doing it because uh, at that time I, it was one of those things where I felt like I should because I had done so much singing and I felt like I'm like, well, I've got, I got this instrument that I'm not using. I should probably try. Um, even if it sounds, at least in a lot of those, it sounds very post hardcore vocalist style. Uh, not, I wasn't trying to be like an eighties redoer. It was really just taking the vocal styles. I was so familiar with the post hardcore and metalcore high pitch vocals and the bravado style, and then taking that with synth funk. Uh, so it was a, a new experience. It, I, mm-hmm. it was sort of the the bar I set myself to see if I can actually fully compose an album from start to finish, and uh, that took a year and a half. Wow. I mean, with pauses, obviously, but there yeah. was, it took it, it. I started that and then stopped it and started it, and it was, it was such a daunting project for me. Mm-hmm. So damn, yeah, but. It, well, say thanks for getting getting it, it all put together and completing it. Like, it really can't. It turned out to be an amazing piece. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing I kicked myself for is about a third of the way through uh, the recording process, I broke my condenser mic, and oh. I hate this, but like two thirds of that album is me using an SM58 and it hurts my soul. <laughs> it hurts my soul, man. Cause I'm like, Oh my, I, I, I can hear the difference. You can tell. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can, it, I'm it, not it, saying listen. It's something that I, I live with every day when I wake up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking hell. Um, who did the artwork? Um, Oh my God. I, I can't remember what is her name. She's a famous artist in oh yoko yoko honda Honda, uh, yoko honda um so she if you just google her she's done a ton of 70s 80s 90s nostalgic artwork and and is pretty big at this point she has things in stores she has multiple agents and i had always loved her artwork for years and i just reached out to her while I was finishing this album, just wanted to see if she'd be down to do an album cover. And lo and behold, she responds to me saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what? yeah it blew my Damn. mind. I'm like, Oh my God, is this real? Um, yeah. she lives, yeah, she, she, she lives in Japan. And, um, so it was, it was interesting emailing her back and forth because I had to, there's a, there was a pretty big language gap. So we had to, mm-hmm. I had to kind of phrase my emails differently and like double check to make sure she understood what I said. And yeah, uh, it was, it was, she was very sweet, very uh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, that's a cute story. Yeah. And what, what a gorgeous album cover too. And I understand you made some shirts for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was mostly just cause I wanted a shirt and yeah, I so want one too, I, man. Because I, because I wanted a shirt. <laughs> I just said, Hey, if anybody wants these, I'm just doing a very small 
thing. It was a pre-order, so that's why it was just made to how many? I think I only made like 12. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and it was something where because it was so expensive to print at such a low quantity because it was a full color, full print, I didn't make yeah. any profit. It was just purely just to make the shirts. For sure. So it was. that's all it ended up. I just like, I really want this mm-hmm. as a shirt. I'm going to do it. If anyone else wants one, I'll, you know, but you're basically based just paying the core cost of printing. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Nice. Uh, so that's what it came down to. A shout out to anyone that got a shirt. Yeah. And whoever got one, I sent them a uh, crystal pyramid and all sorts of, like I had a set of, of, of pyramids that had different colors and each person who did buy one got their own unique one. And, oh, then, wow. and then I threw in, random cassettes too so like i would throw in somebody got a porno somebody got a sigus cassette everyone got random uh yeah things from me wow what a guy hey <laughs> and then an incense stick and that was the last thing i did uh yeah yeah so that was that was that was the fun part of going to the ship those out and i said yeah there's a shirt and a crystal pyramid and uh a tape and some incense <laughs> They're like um, yeah. i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, yes, and I have multiple packages of these. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, shouts out to the people who actually got those. Um, For sure. All right, let's talk about your character. You sort of have a character going on with Nano Shrine. Is that not true? I created three characters for sunsets, and I have basically created little extensive lore for each one. Mm. but uh at this point i'm like at this point i don't really know if i want to continue it but like because uh the whole the sunsets album i wanted to create this weird sort of uh i don't know how much you've seen of like the like music videos for italia disco for random foreign countries that sounds familiar because some of those videos are just so wild and i remember seeing stuff like that and i wanted to create some really weird mock band that was the Mm. the the creators of this music so i created this over the top egoistic looking front man and then this moody depressive synth player and then the out of place drummer that was left over from the 70s (laughs) so uh yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's, that's, those are the characters. So I gave them all their yeah. own, um, little side ventures, like the Christmas album, the original Christmas album I made, I let the moody, uh, synth player come out. And then the, uh, the big like live show I did the other day, I thought, Hey, I'm going to make, cause it's so over the top. I'm going to create, I'm going to use that character. And then I created this other sort of like funky love song that was very seventies ish. So I used the drummer as the main person. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, man, that's so cool. Yeah, like in the business casual uh, show you were talking about where you performed wearing a wig, I imagine. Yeah. With your red hair bouncing around. That with the makeup and everything. Makeup. It's just so cool to see, man. It was a fun time. Um, It was fun to experiment with uh, using like Unreal Engine and green screen to create all that oh for sure yeah i guess let's dive into that now before i ask my next question then yeah that was like one of my favorite sets at that show just seeing you freaking rock out so hard and being so far away it looked like i was actually there on stage or in the audience rather looking at a stage with the lights and just man it was so awesome 
Thanks. I, it was a ton of fun to make. Um, so well it was very obnoxious at the same time because I had to, um, I because I had all those pyrotechnics and things timed with the music. Yeah. So that I had I basically listened to my set and with a pad and paper and was like, okay, I like fireworks here and I want fire at this point and I want flashing lights from this thing to this thing. So I had like this big notebook of all the time signatures of all the different effects. Mm-hmm. And then I just blindly entered them all. And then I just went back and watched it and then slightly adjusted as I went. So it, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to do all that. Cause it was all just programmed and unreal. Yeah. So, uh, so freaking awesome. And you use some of your, uh, the world you built with your VR game as well. Sacred siren. Yeah. Yeah. In this, uh, as well, uh, at least for the intro. Uh, yeah, well, I pulled a lot from the Sacred Siren um, world in the beginning, and then the, the mm. main set was actually mostly Data Girl because she was helping me with the rebrand, and because she was working in 3D, I asked her to send um, those those files to me, and then I built the stage on top of it, and I could more I could move things around and create created this space. Um, yeah, so she gave me that piece, but the intro piece was, um, yeah, it was very pulled from like the sacred sirens. Cause it was like that hue of the purple and the, like the goddess type characters around and like, you're going through this cavern. Uh, yeah, it was, that was a ton of fun to make. I love that stuff. Working in 3d and listening to vaporwave must be like the funnest combination. Cause you can make it like, anything super low crude aesthetic or super crisp high quality shit like uh sound market yeah was doing at the show uh vapor space online yeah no it's it's i can imagine I, I think there are so many talented 3d artists in the vaporwave scene 2d artists as well but especially the 3d artists i've seen a variety of styles and different levels of um ability but they're pretty much all pretty great it's mm-hmm. a very fun creative outlet because you're not trying to recreate a, um, you know, like a product or a room. You'll be able to create these very surreal landscapes or these like weird '90s inspired things, like Mind's Eye, like those sort of uh, setups. Yeah, yeah, those are the best. My favorite one is the one with the bird and the fish. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, sweet. That's the best one. The song from that is just like rips me apart. Oh, I know. The Mind's Eye stuff is just beautiful. Uh but yeah, man, like the VR and doing stuff cuz I'm not really a 3D artist when it comes to creating models or any of that. I'm I lean more on programming, but I love doing the level design and creating all of that. That's why with sacred siren that whole vr experience i like spent i i created the in the 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 music and the vr experience in a month so mm. uh, yeah so the whole thing i just wanted to create this very weird psychedelic like ex- uh ride very inspired yeah. by something that you would like go to disney world and sit in the boat and pull you around mm-hmm now that was a lot of fun. I reviewed that uh, f- and wrote an article on it. Right? Yeah, I remember, man. Uh, it was a blast. You, you got to see the broken version first without I the did. video. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, "How does it end? What happened?" Yeah. 
So, I mean, what, what yeah. were your thoughts on all that? Because, you know, it's, it's a very mixed opinion thing for a lot of people because I am breaking a lot of taboos for VR. You're not supposed to uh, have your eyes warping at the mm-hmm. end. A lot of people h- hated that. And then a lot of people understood what I was going for and really enjoyed it. So, I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think you shouldn't have to conform to the norms of the VR people that set up these arbitrary oh, no. borders, you know? No, I, I just, I'd look at my steam page and like the top of the voted thing is this person writing this diatribe about how I broke every, like I did every cardinal <laughs> sin of VR. <laughs> like, That's like a okay, VR. He's, <laughs> it's okay. He, uh, some people that are so super into VR, it's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, you are probably one of those people too, but you're not one of those people. Oh no, I mean, you know? <laughs> I I was inspired by VR in the '90s because of the the whole early '90s uh, VR boom. Yeah, but I also had the development kit back when it was. I think it was like 2013 or 14. Yeah, the Oculus. I was I went to some I went to some event and I saw I got to put on the first dev kit and I was so blown away. I, I just said, "Okay, oh my god, I want to make shit for this." And then mm-hmm. I got the dev kit 2 and experimented with that and then when I started trying to make things with it, I realized, "Oh, I don't know enough <laughs> to to really do anything great." So I decided yeah. to just like kind of set it down, still study it, but um you know, I've decided to focus more on my main programming career stuff. And then as years went on, as like the, the actual first Oculus came out and Vive came out, it kind of, I came back to it. And that's when mm-hmm. I started actually doing courses on how to, to, to program for Unreal Engine. I did like a 60 hour course, uh, 60 hours of video, not it takes 60 hours uh, mm, where yeah. you go through the entire engine all in C++. Um, that was fun. Then wow. I did a multiplayer one in that. And then the final one was learning how to do VR. There's one I did there and then took that and sacred siren was my first like breakaway of like, okay, I'm done fucking with code. I want to actually design something. So it was like an, uh, I would, cause I'd spent all the time in functional and then I wanted to move into the design. So mm-hmm. made it, made a minute. That's difference. incredible. <laughs> God damn, man. You're so talented. <laughs> incredible. You. Uh, I'm good at taking care of plants. So. <laughs> don't 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 start <laughs> a... talking yourself down, man. You no, fuck, I'm good. You, I'm good. You, you can sing. You've got talent. You're fucking. You're leading. Uh, you're doing a lot with Private Suite. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you do a lot, man. Uh, but no, I, it's uh, it's it's all good. I'm just playing. More like it's motivation for me to me. I gotta fucking learn Python. Dude, you know? yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're never going to know enough of anything, but just pick what your passions are and just keep focusing on it. For me, I'm a weird blend of music and technology, so I love making all of this music and this like, art, but at the same time, I love creating applications and writing code and, and writing functionality. So I keep blending those together a little bit and biggest thing that people really need to remember is your learning is exponential it never stops and the more and further you go the bit like the, the faster that you become um 
knowledgeable yeah. on all of these varieties of like, especially with code, like all these different languages and all these different frameworks. It's not like you just like, Oh yeah. How did this person become a master of this framework and this and this? I'm like, dude, they probably took them three years and they learned this one language and slowly got like a job where they did that one. They learned that framework because they had a project in it, you know? Yeah. It's all a grind over time. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, yeah, no, like, and, and learning Unreal was such a crazy grind. I, I forced, that was yeah. like brutal. I, cause I, I worked 40 hours or 50 hours a week. And then I, as soon as I come home, I would start my food and then do, I would force myself to do one to two hours of this course every other day or every day sometimes, but every other day, most of the time, at least three or four times mm-hmm. a week. So I did that and it took me, uh, with all of my courses, I think it took over a year. <clears throat> it took over a year. And, um, I just remember like looking back and like, holy shit, the sheer amount of, uh, stuff I had to shove in my brain. Yeah. Uh, Cause it seems very daunting in the beginning, you know, like, oh my God, I've got to climb this mountain. But man, like once you start reaching those little peaks, like along the way, it, it's so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. And thank you for the, uh, inspiring speech. Hey, if, if someone's listening and, and been slacking on things they know they should be doing and learning. Get up right now. I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and I want you to say, I can do it. Okay. I can do it. You can do it. Um, but yeah, no. I'm slacking, man. I My thing is I love so many things. I just get into it and then I'm like, hey, I love that, but I got to find something else I love now. I love this too and I got to dive into that and yep. I just spread myself out. Never actually become an expert at anything. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a very common thing. I think a lot of Mm -hmm. people uh, are afraid to also settle on that one thing because they feel like they're going to lock themselves in that box. But what I would tell people is try to find things that are um, adjacent to each other or, or polar in some ways. So like, like technology and music, I get burnt out doing tech. So then I go do music, but I can get burnt out doing music. So then I go work on tech, you know, just to be able to bounce around and it's yeah. good to be able to just, if you can, uh, pick two things or three things to really give your time and just rotate. So that way you're not burnt out and you can keep focused and, and keep fresh. So, cause it comes in waves. Like if, if you give all of your eggs away in one little thing, you can still be very successful and you can have a great, be happy and all that. But if you're able to also find one other thing or two other things, it keeps you a lot more well-rounded and mm-hmm. um, motivated and energetic as you go through because otherwise it just becomes a grind 24 seven. Yeah. That's great advice. It's like a, a, a hack almost a mind hack. Yeah, dude. It's, it's, it's uh, I mean, if you think about like people who work out and they, you know, you reach those plateaus. That's and you have to what, I was going like to say that. Yeah. It's the same idea, but think about that creatively. Mm-hmm. It works. Trust me. Like <laughs> that's why some of like I, so many times I've created albums because I'm burnt out from coding or why I've created projects and code because I was burnt out from working on music. <laughs> so it, it, it ends up being that sort of um, not one is the outlet. They're both the outlets and also the, the focus. It's, you just switch them around. Mm-hmm. Yin and yang. Yes, exactly. I got you. So speaking of the characters, um, and I will go into, uh, identity, I guess. I believe that you've sort of transitioned 
Baku Nano Shrine is over the years, where back in 2015, 2016, you were more anonymous. And now you sort of, oh, you're doing this interview, for example, you're doing live shows, you have pictures with your face. So how did all that happen? Um, yeah, I stayed anonymous for, I think, a good three years. Uh, Sunsets was technically the big reveal. Oops. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> most people don't realize that before sunsets, most people hadn't heard my voice, my speaking voice, uh, or what I looked like. I remember the early days, people didn't know what gender I was. People didn't know how old I was or anything about me at all. And I was on purpose. It was partially because of the anonymous style of vaporwave, which is partially why I was, it was like an enjoyable outlet because I could do that and it was accepted. Um, so what was it like going on Reddit and seeing people like, yo, who is this guy? And watching people try and put clues together and stuff. Oh, I mean, it didn't really happen too often. Some people, there was only a couple of people who really tried to dig, but most people just, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, okay, this person's anonymous. Uh, but I, I just remember, I think there was like different, uh, there was some other early podcast where people were just like trying to guess. Um, I forgot which one, someone linked me once. But um, I I was on two podcasts <clears throat> before Sunsets, but I used a voice changer. So, right. yeah. So the first one I was on was the OzCast, and then the second one was 3D Cast. And early on, those back then, I just used a voice changer. And, mm-hmm. it, and it was fun. I, I enjoyed the, the anonymity of it all, um, just because I felt like it was just purely focused on the, the art. But it came to a point where um, I kind of wanted to share it with some other people in, in real life. And I figured if I'm already doing that, then I'm, I'm okay with slowly opening myself up publicly online. I've had um, past experiences prior to uh, Nano Shrine where I was a public figure in other avenues. And those were pluses and minuses. So it made me nervous at first to, to reopen myself up again to being public. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was just, it felt natural because I was creating this original album with me singing to actually show my face and to, to talk. Yeah. The timing was right. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, man. But it's, it's definitely transitioned over the years, the styles, the sounds, what I find interesting at that moment, I'll hear somebody else and I feel inspired by what they created. Mm-hmm. And just the, the now I'm trying to give it more of a solid visual aesthetic. Um, again, like thanks to Data Girl for helping me do a rebranding because prior it was just you know uh, the name and then random images. Whereas so many other artists had very defining visual aesthetics, and I really didn't have one. It was mm-hmm. more just audio. Yeah, well, that was a great great show. Let's play a song from it. Actually, there's a moment. That's this. I saw someone link. Um, let me find the video for it. Where uh, you, I don't know what song it was, but it was a very hype moment, and you, your singing was just absolutely phenomenal. So I'm gonna highlight that part if you don't mind. Do it. Do the thing.
can you tell that I, I sing post-hardcore music? That's what I was about to say, man. <laughs> I was like, man, but you, you got the chops, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was so used to singing just like super high all the time. Yeah. So then uh, I, it's just it's really fun to belt. It's it's not you shouldn't do it all the time, but it's just so fun to belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah. What so song was that? It, or is that uh, not not it, is that like just for the show? That was a single on SoundCloud. I, it's not released ah. anywhere. It's just something I just kind of did one day. It was I was actually supposed to be a part of a. Um, uh, I think I would say it's a. Uh, it's like a mini album. I have on the back burner. It was basically that style of like the future funk, but I write my own lyrics and I sing on it. I basically just mm-hmm. had like a mini album of that. So maybe one day I'll release that. Who knows? Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. The amount of little side projects like everybody else. <laughs> music. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So what is your favorite record of yours? Would you say maybe the one that was the oh. most challenging to create or the most fun? I mean, the most rewarding yeah. one was sunsets by far. Yeah. Because that was just a big, you know, all original masterpiece style thing. Uh, not that it's a masterpiece, but it just, it, it was all of what I had. I put so much into it at that mm-hmm. time. Um, so the Sega series is, is probably the thing I'm most well known for. And it's a great series, um, but it's definitely not my favorite album. Like that, those albums are definitely not my favorite. I'd say Sunsets, um, Food Court Porno. Food Court, yeah. just because I, I just loved that first album so much. I, yeah. I, I've tried to recreate it like with similar styles, and I just haven't been able to hit it. So I just I stopped trying to re, redo the magic. Sometimes um, you can't. Like You're just in the mindset. You just nail it. You got the artwork. That album art is oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it wonderful? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think um, Sunsets is probably my favorite thing. Demise, honestly, though, is probably current it's i know it's still new but i love that album i had so much fun mm-hmm. working on it that was like the biggest stress reliever because i wasn't trying to make a vaporwave album it's just vaporwave inspired it's, it's, yeah you know it's not a uh, traditional vaporwave album by any means yeah and you know it's like this album i'm making for me yeah that's I'll, most of my albums are but that one especially was purely yeah exactly that. and then mm-hmm. uh i would say a big one that gets overlooked a lot is where it all began yeah. Uh, so that is a compilation that I put together. Uh, I think it was 2015 for, and there's like 20 artists on there. <clears throat> there's a ton of artists. Uh, some that are still going, some that are gone from that era. Um, like Dan Mason and Bodyline and Pega and Eyeliner and Wallflowers, uh, Roman, New Type, uh, Corp. Like all these people, like I basically just spam messaged everyone and say, "Hey guys, I have this really fun idea," mm-hmm. and um, I provided That's a great album, provided man. samples for a lot of people. Um, yeah, so it was it was it was just a ton. It was a ton of fun. That's one of those ones that I, like I wish I could do a physical of, but because there are so many artists on there, I don't want to have somebody get mad at me because their song is being. Uh, sold on a physical and they didn't receive any profits. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I am not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the tricky, that's the trick with uh, comps, right? Yeah. It's like... Your, f- the fir- your first song on that record is fucking fire, man. 
Oh yeah, the the set me free. Set me free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why there's so much of me is because when I was doing it, I was going to make one track for every submission. Ah. So that's why that's why it's such a long album. Because originally <laughs> I wasn't expecting this many people to do it. Uh, yeah. So, yep. It ended up yeah. being a big ass album because of that. Big ass, amazing album. I'll link that one too for people so they can check it out if they haven't heard it. You know what album we haven't talked about? Which my probably my favorite album. Oh yeah, Worldport. Oh really? Yeah. You know I appreciate you saying that. Oh well, yeah, people don't talk about it as much. No, it's one of those ones that um, I actually put a shitload of effort into, but I um, it just didn't pop off. That was sort of like my uh, a ma- like you know homage to my Sega series. It's very mm. Sega's like, and yeah. um it was created because I had never flown before and I wanted to create this out because I was, I was going to go on a flight and I wanted to create what I envisioned that experience to be. And like this very over the top, um, like eighties melodrama flight would be like this big departure and uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of where it started from. And it's one of the, and it's, fun to hear that you say it because it's one of, again one of those albums that really not that many people um talk about in mm-hmm. my discography it's one of those ones that are kind of just there <laughs> let's play a song from it man let's breathe some fresh air back into this beast it's so good
some goddamn gold right there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, oh, so good. <laughs> I mean, that song specifically, um, when I found the sample, I was just listening to it and I kept thinking of Bodyline. So I hit him up and said, hey, I'm working on this album. I really like the sample. I envision you doing stuff with it. You should mm-hmm. do stuff and pass it back. So he did the original arrangement. Uh, and then I took it from there and just added lots of um, instrumentation and added glitching and um, effects and all sorts of fun yeah. stuff. Fuck, you guys, you're so talented, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can't, like, I'm ha- so happy to be talking to you. Like, you made that song. Like, it's so good. Like, I can't express to you how good your shit is. I'm telling you. Thanks, dude. I, I there's so there's so much stuff, and it's like again, I appreciate you liking this album because this is one of those ones that I spent. This thing was the when it comes to non-original vaporwave albums, this is this one took the longest to make mm-hmm. because I added original synths. I added a lot of stuff. I basically wanted to take what I did with Sega's, but to the next level when it comes to production. So that's yeah. what this was to me. Um, and also that whole flight experience with like the ASMR yeah. stuff that happens and like the little skits that happen in between. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's that night flight is definitely the, the big banger. And then you got the 3d blast crazy track in there. Yeah. Um, that collab was wild. He went nuts on that. I'm the, most yeah. of the credit should go to him because he just went crazy with my with the things I sent him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the waterfront dining one was a ton of fun to work on. Yeah, it's a great album, and uh, it's good to hear <laughs> because <laughs> I I thought it was one of those ones. It was swept under the rug by uh, a lot of people. Yeah. It happens, you know, sometimes it's the timing of the release. Maybe there's a lot of other big ones and maybe it's the album cover that does it a lot hey, sometimes. It but uh it's like it's what reels people in, you know. I know. That's I found out that with the food court porno. That's I, I was about the, to say uh, that. I was like, "Damn." When I first saw that, what is that? Yeah, that I that only so. reason I continued making Vaporwave was because of how well that album was. Like was received that mm-hmm. so many people wow. really liked food court porno, porno that I felt like I should probably do more. I remember I had a buddy I was working with and I was showing him all this stuff and I was like, man, I, I, I don't know if I should keep working on this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm not really that great of a producer, but so many people like this thing. Maybe I should keep doing it. And he was like, yeah, dude, just fucking do it. So I, went on to do impurity and then all these other things from there just kind of mm-hmm. kept going where's that album cover from like where, where'd you find it and then you got the microsoft logo in there um so it's uh it's multi-part like yeah um, like the girl and the everything yeah, yeah. mostly where's she from <laughs> oh, I, I i can't remember because i think that was um i like icon I worked partially with him on that album cover. I had the background and I told him, I said, I just want like some very seductive, like just something in the front and that's in this color range. And he sends me that image. I'm like, where the fuck did you find that? 
it's so good and you can like, you did a really good job at photoshopping her hair you can see how well yeah. it went. it's so good yeah. Uh, and then that, then I uh, stamped on the the Windows logo and the parental advisory. And one of the my favorite things about it is it's very subtle. I photo I, I photocopied uh, a plastic bag and then overlaid it. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. So to like give it this weird sort of sheen uh, to it. Hmm. Yeah, so that was that's legitimately like like a sandwich bag that's being overlaid. It you could call that a practical effect. Exactly. Almost. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. How do you come up with the names for your songs? Um, it depends on the album. I think um, like if if a one has a specific sound, I'll create something for it. Like an obvious example is "Demise of Nanami." All those like goofies like track titles were from some memory of that time like being on ventrilo or being a scene kid and like like crushing on a girl with uh green skinny jeans mm-hmm. um having like everyone the, the cool thing at the time was having a t-mobile sidekick um and then you had like uh like for example Segus, those follow a pattern of love and loss that's a one thing that I think a lot of people don't know is each one of those, it starts with finding love, being in love and then falling apart. And that's every single one. So if you watch like, like Sega's, it's like, I can't stop uh, getting the summer group. Like you're ready. You're going out, you're at the lounge. I want to be with you. If you find this person and then you're like, you fall in love. And that's when, when I'm with you, love is like a dream. And then uh, it starts falling apart. Like she set me up and then like, I'm sugar free. Like you're, you're fawned back to those memories that you have of this person. And I can't forget you. Like you're, you're moved past it, but you're still remembering. And then you're in loner lagoon, like past all of those feelings. Wow. Uh, Damn. That's the problem with tapes. I never really look at the songs. Yeah. Like the song titles themselves. Yeah. 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 Saying that to, to call in, uh, back in new york i think he was like i was like i love your music he's like what's your favorite song i was like i fucking Uh, every album man i don't know (laughs) i like side b of uh you know the second track on side b i'm sorry what yeah (laughs) yeah no i i i i do keep uh the names for a lot of my albums uh in mind for either a setting of the song or the album and like Segus is the obvious example. Like it's like on Segus too, it's the same thing where you notice like stick around, you're free tonight. I'm only a breath away, and I've only just begun begun to love. You make me feel so good. Love keeps ticking away, and then it turns into Do you really love me? You're only talking jive day after day after day. I'm missing your love, and I want to tell you that I love you, and I want to come home. And then it ends with I'm sorry for everything I've done. So it's like this big, for each one of those, it's uh, uh, just that arc, which is why I stopped at three because I didn't want to keep rehashing it. I figured the three is enough um, because, I don't know, I just didn't want to keep doing it. Because so so many people keep asking me when they say guess four is coming and I say, well, um, I don't know. If you like Sagus, go listen to Worldport if you like the audio. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So, uh, but the, 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 the missing key factor there is just that arc. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the love and called? loss, like the, 
the whole transformation. Yeah, the transformation throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, unless you have more specific questions about my music, I'm always down to keep chatting about the specifics because each one, like, I think this is a big thing for a lot of vaporwave artists. Is pretty much everyone is a concept album. Every single mm-hmm. one. Everyone, I think. The good portion of people in vaporwave do that, or um, at least are inspired by the fact of that things they listen to were concept albums in the scene. Yeah, I wonder why that is. You know, like people that love concept albums gravitate to vaporwave. I think it's just the like the at the, least in part. Yeah, like all the nostalgic factor. A lot of people want to remember a specific setting or place, or or create some mm-hmm. sort of tale in relation to the, to the music, because, you know, other than like the, like the traditional music style of vaporwave where it's just slowed down and reverb and chop, that's, it sounds great and it's wonderful, but when you attach it with some really nice lore and a, like this album cover, that's so striking and it puts you in the setting, it, 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 it's very shared where a lot of the times, a lot of other, uh, uh, it's not just vaporwave, other, genres do this too but um some of the ones that aren't like vaporwave where Dalmart is striking but the music has nothing to do with it or um the the music is 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 less of a focus in the art or vice versa where this it's very mutual uh, for a mm-hmm. lot of artists in the scene yeah at least it's what i see <laughs> throughout yeah this. for sure what is Toonami Tapes? I own this, but just for the listeners that don't know. Toonami Tapes is an album where I put the the classic Vaporwave uh, spin on either openers, end credits, uh, popular songs from all of the different um, anime and just general like cartoon shows from the early Toonami years from my childhood. And so, cause so many of those songs are super nostalgic for me. And it was sort of my side project while I was working on sunsets because sunsets was requiring so much thought because it was all original. And then I, but I wanted like a secondary creative outlet to just do pure vaporwave, which ended up being mm-hmm. Toonami tapes. Um, so I ended up creating this like experience of you. I think I wrote like a massive paragraph lore based around tsunami tapes. Actually, um, uh, I can read it really quickly for people who are listening. Oh, please! It says, "In the year three thousand three hundred seventy-eight, a waste miner on a small trash trash asteroid located in." NGC 2419 random shit stumbles across an ancient artifact a black box with two white eyes labeled Toonami Tapes Volume 1 as a comet passes he suddenly remembers finding an artifact a few years back on a trash mining mission to the barren planet Earth called a television box which which had an odd rectangular shaped hole on the top right corner of the artifact, there was a weird uh, box-shaped symbol that resembled the television box. 
maybe this will fit, he thinks to himself. Digging through his storage room, he locates the dusty, semi-cracked television box and hooks it into his backup power converter. There was, there was a light popping sound followed by a low, hazy green glow on the dimly lit, rounded glass box window. Letting out a light sigh, he decides to turn on his audio log so that he has recorded evidence in case anything should go awry. And then, could, could this trigger a ship-wide meltdown, or worse, maybe it's a leftover war device that led to Earth's destruction? He says softly under his breath. Reluctantly, he sits down, closes his eyes, and slowly slides back, slowly slides the black box into the rectangular hole. And then it just like it's like uh, uh, console stuff. It says starting data request, access mining sequence start. So yeah. it's this lore piece of this person finding this lost tape called Toonami Tapes, and it starts out with this like weird fuzzy scene of like one of the intros, the first ever intro from Toonami, where Tom says hello, and then it goes through all of these. Uh, uh, intros and songs and then there's the big farewell which is the very last transmission from tom from toonami basically saying it's toonami's ending so yeah. um yeah it was just this <laughs> this weird uh toonami lore experience yeah no it's fucking amazing i thank you so much for creating it I got a copy of the vhs from oh you got Captain the, midnight that's sick i'm glad you got that yeah it's so fitting Oh um, yeah, uh, and I, I'm trying to remember what was their their Twitter name handle. Somebody uh, created a fan video for the entire album, and I messaged them when they were, were doing the VHS, and that's what's on the VHS. So you actually have a fan constructed video of um, pretty much they matched most of the shows with the audio. Oh, you didn't put it together. That's no. so cool. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to find them um, because I feel got to give them a shout out. I yeah. got to give them a shout out uh, somewhere deep in my in my Twitter. Yeah, somewhere deep I'll in take my your, Twitter. Take your time to find that, and um, I'll move on to next question. Got any plans for vinyl releases? Uh, no, I haven't no. asked anybody, and no one's asked me. <laughs> so okay so it's one of those things where i did try to do a sunsets final um through like one of those crowdfunding ones but mm -hmm. because i i saw that th the problem was um because it's such a long album i had to do a double vinyl which mm -hmm. doubled the cost and yeah. ended up like most of the time you can do something that's in the ballpark range of 20 dollars or a little less where this to, to just break even, I would have to charge $40. So, and a ton of people did it. I mean, we got yeah. like 70% of the way there, but it just wasn't enough. So it never made it. Um, I have thought about going, cause again, it was like over the top, like really nice and like thick vinyl and mm. um, like splashed, uh, you know, it, it was beautiful, but if I yeah. wanted to, I could make it way cheaper by just making it super basic black vinyl and get it out there. But I just haven't decided yeah. to do that. I guess that's the, that's the trade off, right? Like, do I just want to throw it out there so people can have it? Or is this going to be yeah. something to remember? Yeah, that was the thing. It's like, I don't want to just do it to do it. That's why I wanted to create this very beautiful piece 
for people. And again, a lot of people wanted mm-hmm. it. It was just too expensive. Um, and I totally get it. I hated it. Um, I wish I could have mm-hmm. made it a lot cheaper for people. Yeah. Now they now on crates they have uh, like the pre-order ones that you can do right where you just pay up front. Um, I I haven't seen that. The ones you play. Yeah, up front. I've definitely done it for for um. Brock oh wait, 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 wait. oh wait you pay records. for them to print it. Like uh, yeah. Uh, yeah 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 that is an option. I don't know like what the qualifications are exactly like if you need to ha- make sure you sell more you have you have to have worked with them before or something like I don't know but. That could be an option. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep it in mind. I'm sure. I mean, if I did a Sega's final, I'm sure people would would flip their lid. And, yeah. And, and, <laughs> it's again. It's one of those people. Yeah. If, if anybody is listening to this and uh, wants to uh, hook me up with a vinyl printing, I'm always open. Nice. I, I have had other people technically reach out to me, but they. I'm glad I didn't because they ended up you know, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So, Mm. uh, you know, it's, Mm -hmm, it's one of those mm -hmm. things where I'm very glad that I didn't. And, uh, I hope that I can find, uh, some label or some print shop that would love to work with me. Mm -hmm. I'm always down to do it, but I, it's time. It's organization. Oh yeah. Just another thing. Yeah. It was, uh, an interesting development the vinyl, scene we had a lot of shit go down over the years but uh, i think it's mostly ironed out now which is nice to see yeah i mean that's i'm i'm hoping <laughs> you know it, it's yeah it's, it's <laughs> don't one speak of, too soon Andy. yeah i'm uh, you know that's the thing is I, I saw so many weird things happen and again i am happy i didn't do it a few times but i still am sad because i'm sure a lot of people who really love my music would like it on vinyl um so it's not like I won't do it. It, it might still happen. You never know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. yeah no. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about YouTube. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of YouTube videos on your YouTube <laughs> channel. I did. I do. I actually, uh, I for, I, I'm surprised you uh, dug up my YouTube. Oh, yeah. No, I wanted to, to check it out, man. Like you probably made a lot of these videos, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which ones are you referring to? Like the the music ones, or uh... yeah, the one I found was "Take Off the Plane." And oh yeah, from yeah. There, kind of just dive in. Yeah. So hold on, let me pull it up so I can look at it with you. Oh, fucking f- Night Flight has a video too, eh? Oh, it's perfect. Sweet. If you love if if you love Night Flight, you'll like that video. Nice. It's it's, it's there was literally a show called Night Flight. And it has the most aesthetic intro ever, which is what's... Oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. Isn't it sick? Dude. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? Love it. I know. It just happened to work that way. It wasn't like I named it Night Flight. I just found Night Flight because I was searching for videos on Night Flight. (laughs) And I'm like, holy fuck, this is great. This is wonderful footage. (laughs) Do you know what that's from? From a show called Night Flight. I forgot. I, oh yes, right. Yeah, I, right. I can't remember the details of it. I think it was, it was some show in the in the eighties, um, or nineties, and it was. Uh, oh, here it is. Night Flight is an online visual arts magazine and variety television show that aired on on the USA Network from eighty one to to eighty eight. Nice. So, 
yeah that's i just thought that it, it looks so cool just like the flying motion i thought it fit this song so well oh it's so awesome man yeah so i've, I've made a handful of uh music videos i've i've made some goofy videos mm-hmm. I've, I've done uh i don't know if you saw the synchronicity music video i'm sure you did i did actually yeah yeah i remember your your wig and everything that's a high quality production too yeah yeah so the the company that i work with uh there's a video guy who really really loved my stuff and he was like dude because i was showing him sunsets at the time and he wanted to help me make a music video for it and he did a fucking killer job oh yeah uh yeah yeah that was wonderful i <laughs> the whole process uh i think i was Whew. in makeup and stuff for eight hours holy shit but yeah it was, it was a good i bet good that time. got uncomfortable and wow yeah because the thing is i had to basically shoot the music video with three different characters so i had to um, do a bunch of takes with the main character and then uh get it like take all the makeup off and do everything else then get uh, a new set clothes on and different makeup and just had to do that uh multiple times it's all coming together now the character the drummer yeah 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 it was it was a ton of fun <laughs> uh, and then i did the the notebook special which was uh wonderful i don't know if you remember ever watching that one no christmas special so this one is wild uh, it's it's just the uh, synth character. It's really depressing and emo-ish, and kind of it's very tongue-in-cheek. And yeah. then uh, the character is like depressed because of uh, like missing out on like love or so, like basically like a breakup, and it's Christmas, mm-hmm. and it slowly devolves into uh, him becoming a giant weeb. So it like <laughs> it shows footage of me like looking up. Uh, watching anime and playing uh, like weeby video games. And the next thing you know, I order a body pillow and the body pillow arrives and I'm watching TV with the body pillow, eating Pocky. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. a, it's a video. It's a really good one. Yeah, that's great. I'll link it up for sure. Uh, it's really goofy. Uh, and yeah ton of fun to make uh and then my intro video for the for my channel is me doing a seance with the macintosh plus vinyl speaking of fun vinyl uh topics uh i created like because i wanted to make this because this was like my debut first video and i wanted to create this weird like a cult looking video of like doing the seance <laughs> with the with the macintosh plus vinyl this is hilarious welcome to the shrine I know it's <laughs> it's something. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I actually did receive my vinyl, so you know. Oh nice, there it is. Lucky, lucky. I know. Yeah, I gotta I gotta watch all these again. Yeah, or for the first time, some of them too. Yeah, it was a ton of fun, man. Oh shit! All right, so you're making a new record. It's uh, potentially cyberpunk inspired. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, maybe. Uh, I, I've been tinkering with the idea of doing like a original cyberpunk style album because 
I've just been having so much fun with some of these new um, VSTs and sense patches and stuff I've had, uh, I've, I've, I've stumbled upon, and uh, I've just felt very inspired to make music like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm so, there's tons of people in the scene who love Ghost in the Shell's music and the aesthetic and uh, like Akira and a lot of those cyberpunky animes of the of the late '80s and early '90s. Yeah. So, um, and also a, a big shout out to uh, Maggie.Wave because his his aesthetic pulls from that very hard too, and I'm really big fan of what he's been doing recently. Mm-hmm. So he's. He, I was just listening to the, like his music and like also having that nostalgia and like finding these synth things. I'm like, dude, I want to make some original cyberpunky tunes. This is this is killer. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing that. I, I don't really have any true um, release date or anything planned with it just yet. But I have multiple songs I've been working on. Yeah. Um, it's just and I post those teaser videos to kind of just gauge people's feelings on that because it is a pretty again i i diverge so often but you know going from very funky r&b stuff uh or like demise of nanami or it's all like k-pop to just dropping a very uh, epic sounding cyberpunk album is way Mm -hmm. different yeah (laughs) quite the jump you know so it's it's fun it's an experiment i i think yeah uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, I'm excited to see what comes of it. I'm, I'm sure at least some people will really dig it. Um, it's, it's just fun to, to make some original tunes, mm-hmm. in, in that vein. Yeah, for sure. So back in 2016, you made something that was called a vaporwave manifesto. Oh boy, I did. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? I guess I could. Or no? Yeah. Okay, so it was basically just a, a long statement that you've written, manifesto. Um, yeah. I don't know if you, like, things have changed a lot since then. It could be a, a reflection of, you know, Vaporwave as a moment in time, or it could be maybe an ongoing manifesto you still um, follow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that was partially tongue-in-cheek because, it, like, the idea oh, yeah. of creating the manifesto, which is why I have, like, John Lennon on the cover. It's just, like, yeah. oh, like very revolutionary. Uh, Gather but, around, children. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at that time, I mean, it still happens to today, but during that time, there was so much uh, push and pull about the direction of, like, how vaporwave should sound does it always have to be slowed down can it be ambient can it be original can it be xyz and it still happens today where people on reddit or whatever says hey this isn't vaporwave this isn't vaporwave but it was very prominent during that initial period where there were so many new sounds coming out and people were like no it's not that's lo-fi this or da 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 and so i wanted to my understanding of being in the scene and seeing it's more than just music uh, at least from my eyes would is just the fact that it's it's very much an art movement and a, and a very punkish art movement than anything else because you have so it's such a visually strong uh, medium too it's not just audio and it, it, it attracts a very strong diy punk feel 
So mm-hmm. I created this sort of manifesto thing explaining like, Hey, it's not about the sound. It's not about this. It's just about this, uh, you know, this art, uh, art movement that goes against a lot of copyright. And also at this time, there's a lot of stuff going on with YouTube and all these other things like still today uh, with copyright laws. And this like kind of flew in the face of it uh, as a very punkish style would. And so I just wanted to give my opinion, a little hot take on it being way more of an art movement than a, a genre. Oh, absolutely. I call it a uh, methodology. That's what I say. It's like a way of approaching something. Yeah. In so many different ways. So I, I don't know. That, again, it's my opinion, and I know a lot of people don't agree with that at all. And it, my it's shifted since I've made that, clearly. I yeah. Because I, I made that in like 2015. Uh, mm. So things have changed a lot and a lot of people's attitudes have changed in that same way. Um, so I, I, you know, it, some of it still holds true to me, but it's also, it's progressed a lot for, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Cause I know that I, some of my, some of my uh, artist friends would say, fucking no, it's, it's a, it's a genre and shut up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I get that, you know, that's fine but I think it's an art movement. So yeah. uh, hence the amount of 3D vaporwave artists, 2D vaporwave artists, vaporwave video people, people who do interior design that is vaporwave inspired, people who do this because it's vaporwave inspired, audio mm-hmm. and visual. So to me, it is an art movement. Absolutely. We made vaporwave soaps. Vaporwave soaps, man. <laughs> you gotta you gotta have that uh purple uh marble soap gotta. yeah man yeah um yeah thank you for not uh taking this down like yeah i, I, I a, thought about it i i have yeah I but, I, I, but i've just thought eh, like it's it's not i don't really care you know i'm mm-hmm. not you can i'm not gonna feel weird if someone like says oh look at this thing that you did on exactly. soundcloud five years ago that I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's a mm-hmm. thought I had at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, they clearly <clears throat> wouldn't, like, they would need to know, yeah, this was tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. You, know, you clearly went over your head, bud. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted so. to make it some weird, big, like, like goofy thing. I mean, obviously, some of the words I do were very real, but the actual way it was presented was very tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. especially when you listen to the audio, of course. Oh yes, the the deep voice changer, yeah, and and, and the music in the background. It's so it's, mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah, oh, I love it. And it's a great, um, like I said, it's a great uh, moment in time in history where people can go back to and be like, you know, this is part of what we can dig up of what vaporwave was like back in 2016 yeah i mean it's it's crazy again there's been multiple waves of artists and listeners it's funny to think back that people who heard you know food court porno and even segas were in eighth grade or freshmen in high school and are now in college it's kind of surreal to think about it from that perspective Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back to that, it's been seven years, six or seven years since my first uh, release, and I've been a part of, uh, at least as as a listener for uh for like seven or eight years, 
Yeah. You know, so it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. And I think there's a lot of uh, little story arcs of vaporwave that have been overlooked or forgotten. Yeah. Th- those are the little nuggets of gold that I am on a constant and forever search for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still think fondly back to the 2015, 16 era, just because it was sort of, it was such a weird time in vaporwave. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very pivotal transitional time for a lot of artists and a lot of people at the time were just thinking it was over. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, if, if you had told me in 2014 that it would still be a thing in 2020, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have said, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe some people are still making it, but it's probably not that big. Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you just said there's three, there's VR 360 concerts and yep. real life concerts with people from all over the planet and, and yeah. clothing Ma- magazine we got a this clothing magazine. line that gets into hot topic yeah, yeah yeah and designs masks for the world for protection yep it's crazy uh it's it's very surreal um i mean it's people scenes usually die within a shorter amount of time and it's kind of miraculous to see it's still very much thriving mm-hmm. um after all this time yeah absolutely it's like there were so many different attempts at it because people like you and me and many other people not like you and me but still that like vaporwave had really nothing right there's like tumblr and c-punk and um chill wave which chill wave and which house house? and and none of it was ever like a, a a a big um like cohesive package you know it was like a little pocket but now it's 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 pretty massive like look at 100 percent electronica it's amazing what george has been able to do off off of all this stuff it's nuts uh i guess again i think of uh, the biggest example would be chill wave at least in my mind because you had it was big and it was bigger than uh, like in popularity for, for mainstream audiences than Vaporwave was. I mean, it's getting to that point where they're pretty much almost on par at this point, but uh, back then it like popped off and there was all these big artists like Toro Imoy and all these, you know, it was just crazy. And then it just stopped within the, the period of like three or four years. Um, because there was nowhere for it to grow, but vaporwave, because there are so weirdly like soft borders, it's allowed it to keep moving. And it's like a weird amoeba. Like it just keeps shifting and moving, uh, sound and, uh, audience wise. So, whereas those just died off after but not died because people still make chill wave but in terms of popularity it's really severely dipped Mm -hmm. yeah we have uh an incredible community to thank oh yeah no there's uh, and i was purely a listener for a very very long time and i remember looking up to all of those artists i remember it's surreal knowing that i've released on business casual because at the time i just thought they were this big label that were untouchable of like these like um, insanely talented artists and um, seeing like luxury lead and all of these amazing people 
they seem so distant in my mind because uh, I was just a listener. And then to finally get to a place where I'm on that label and I'm talking to these artists, it was such a strange transition. And I know that like the, the people who are listening, when you show your friends and you talk about it and you post about it, you are doing so much for every artist in the scene and just the, the whole scene in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you, it's the driver, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, vaporwave is is probably going to be here for quite a while. Uh, if it's if it's basically survived a decade at this point, it's it's very impressive. Yeah. I mean, literally, look at uh, like new romantic period or like new wave or like uh, like all of these things that are very popular genres that didn't even last this long. Popularity. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's yeah. a very slow burn. Too. Or they lasted, but the scenes are still so underground that Ex- they could never have a exactly like a, a concert like, like Electronicon. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like, and it, I'm happy. It's also like vaporwave is like one of those genres that are perfect for virtual concerts. It's just yeah, they they go hand in hand. Um, it's also like for me personally, it's such a fun genre uh, like scene to be a part of because of my love for technology and virtual reality and all of these things, they very much cohabitate. Uh, and mm-hmm. at least for me, they, they seem like they are together and it's, it's fun for me to be able to contribute more than just music as well. Like helping do live shows or helping uh, or, or doing uh, VR experiences or whatever. What, what is your favorite thing about VR? Is it the interaction is it the um, being able to transport to a universe that you couldn't actually go to and, you know, it's virtual, so it's as if you're there? Is it the human element? It's it's a mix of things for me because I have some weird memories as a kid of seeing those VR headsets in, in, the, in the mall or wherever in the 90s, and I remember thinking like, like the you know my imagination went wow what's a virtual reality headset does it take yeah. me somewhere does it transport me like all of those sort of feelings as a kid because i didn't get to have one uh back mm-hmm. in the day so i it like, was i was left with this weird mystery feeling yeah uh, and why is not everybody freaking out about this yeah and it was just so wild to me <laughs> back then and then i it died off and then when it started re-emerging with oculus and all these other you know headsets i and, and now the technology is actually finally there where you could take a, something like a game or whatever and port yourself right in there uh, the same way you would play an FPS or whatever. It just opened up the possibility to think of this is like the it's an it's a completely new medium for for art, music and uh you know, social interaction. It's it, it's honestly it's also in a, in a way it's also like the last medium because mm. you have like the, the video and you have all these sort of like social network stuff. But this one is interconnectedness beyond anything else that's come out. Like when it gets yeah. like, obviously right now it's still in baby walking stages, but I'm talking in 10 years from now, the level of detail and interaction is going to be beyond what a lot of people uh, think is possible. Uh, at yeah. least in my mind. And Mm -hmm. it opens the door to things like, it's like this, like when you, when you were young, you would listen to music 
and envision and just kind of sit there with your eyes closed and kind of like create this little journey in your mind. And then that transition to the music video. So now you've got a visual attachment, but the music video is only so good. It's 2d. You're kind of watching it from afar. Uh, but now you're in it. You're, you are physically presented in the music. And when it comes to VR, um, mm. like you're, you are, you are in the experience uh, beyond just sonically, visually, and physically. So it, it's, it, it's just that next level um, step in for, for, for any sort of media outlet. Yeah. Wow. That's a neat way of putting it. Like you're stepping into it. Like you said, like, it's not just one sense or you or your senses combined. It's like once you combine all the senses like that in a virtual way, you're like you ascend what it means to be human or something like Well, yeah, cuz cuz you know, you're doing the impossible. Well, yeah, cuz at that point you're just a consciousness and you're deciding where you want to to cohabitate. So, mm-hmm. and how you want to connect and how you want to live and be and what you want to experience. You're no longer, uh, the, the meat suit that you're, you're a part of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's, it, that's a big part, which is why for an art, uh, you know, an art movement or any of this stuff, I think it's vital that it's, it's used with virtual reality. I think that a lot of the 360 stuff is really cool. And it's a good step in the right direction, but it's not really the ultimate landing place. It's sort of like the yeah. baby step in that direction, mm-hmm. um, which is why I got, I was, I was like the idea of like what, what I did in Unreal, I wish I could have, if I had more time, created a thing for people to actually load up and like physically be in the game while yeah. I was there. And I had, yeah. I wanted to do it, but I just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I imagine you'll, you'll figure out something really awesome though sometime eventually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So that's, there's, there's a lot of passion for VR in my life and, mm-hmm. um, it's also really cool that I'm a part of a music genre that so well fits with a medium like that. Yeah. It like encourages it. Yeah. The use especially with everything else going on in the world with COVID and all like people being scared to go outside. And, and honestly, there's been a massive spike in VR and the way how people are probably going to be telecommunicating so much more. Uh, it's yeah the future. And I know that that sounds like a, oh, you've heard it a thousand times and it's cheesy, but it, it, people really have to get that in their brain that it, it's, going to hit them faster than they think it's going to hit them it's not just for gaming and it's going to become more usable cheaper and uh it's not in 50 years Mm -hmm. like i think about the medical applications and the psychological applications like um therapy i've seen so many videos of people like de-stressing themselves because they've never been able to talk to someone about their dark secret because it's embarrassing or something. Even something as simple as that, VR can be leveraged to uh, to allow for that sort of therapy. Yeah, no, like therapy and uh, meditation stuff. Like, for example, you could join a meditation group with people from around the world physically and just kind of sit there with your avatar and like have somebody lead it from some place far away. Um, that's a big part of what I've been doing, um, with the company I work for. It's, it's a, 
company, not to get too in depth with it, but it's sort of uh, they work in behavior change, which is focused mm. on positive behavior change. So um, changing your your eating habits and, and changing you know your outlook on death, like ta- tackling a lot of things that are hard for people to um, talk about or unhealthy things like you know obsessing with um you know like sugary beverages and eating like shit mm-hmm. uh but changing that for the better and part of that has been me explaining like how for changing someone's behavior um like really virtual reality is the best medium for it because you're you're breaking down the ego barrier and putting them in a yeah. place that they've never been and th- they're no longer being, they're not looking. They're not themselves staring at a screen. They're in that situation. Right. Yeah, I love that you use the word ego. Like you lose your. Like how long have you spent in VR? The longest you've been in there. Like you lose your ego pretty fast after like five minutes yeah. or less. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where <laughs> time flies by once you've done it enough times, and. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't even say I'm like I'm a massive VR user. I just love VR and want to create for VR. I don't yeah. use VR all the time. I don't. I have done very extensive dives where I've been in VR for like four hours, and every single time I do something to that extent and I take it off, I'm like it's like ripping out uh, this other you. It's very weird. Yeah, it's unplugging from the matrix. Yeah, yeah. You know that. You know that's part of it. Um, but I, I think it's it's something that you're you're going to see more and more, uh, not just artists, but just mediums using like doctors and therapists, and uh, it's going to be integrated in so many ways. Like imagine being able to 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 pilot something or 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 steer like drive a train, but you're just doing it virtually. I mean, like there's so many things you could be doing with it besides. Uh, just playing games because as much as I love VR gaming, it's that's just the thing that helps uh, get people comfortable with it. And it's also mainly because you have to have a, a fucking crazy computer to, to power it, which is why I'm yeah. a big fan of the Oculus Quest. The first time you're able to not spend a thousand dollars, like even if the headset's three hundred dollars and you have to spend eight hundred or a thousand dollars on a computer, is it that cheap? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. So yeah, uh, it's getting there. That's like it's you're gonna see some pretty massive standalone system improvements in the next five to ten years. So the Quest has its own like video processor built in or something. Yeah, yeah. It's basically like imagine like it's all running on mobile hardware. So there's no wire. It's all self-powered. Um, Yo, holy yeah. shit! Yeah, no, that's what. So I, I have one, and it's they, it's there. out already. Yeah, it's out, man. So how do you hook it up to your machine? Like, can you play your Steam games and shit? So they have a, a Oculus Link cable if you want to plug into your computer. And so basically, when you do that, it bypasses the hardware, uh, the video hardware on the device, and just uses. Ah. So that way you can play all the you can play PC VR. So there's no external sensors. Everything's handled from within it because they have this new sensor setup. They actually have uh, hand tracking. And I explained what, like, like it, the, the, the actual cameras that sense your space can perfectly track your hands without any external device, too. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> so, How do they do that? It's, it's, that didn't take it's long nuts. at all, man. Holy shit. 
So, and, and that's cool, but that's the first one of its kind. Yeah. Oh my dear Lord. This is crazy now. Yeah. Which is why I am so interested in it, knowing that like, okay, it's already here. Uh, I want to spend as much time as I can learning how to make things for VR and, uh, you know, whatever. And obviously there's a dystopian side of everything. You know, it, you get the visions of people sitting in like a cyber bar plugged in, like passed out like an opium den, <laughs> but or like uh, Wally, you know, if you, there's a positive side to it too. There's so much, there's always going to be the, those darker sides of that, but there's so much positive of connecting people. And uh, again, breaking down your ego barrier, um, and allowing people to open themselves up to uh, new experiences and possibilities. Mm, uh, I like to say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Um, I like to say that problems like that, a dystopian or whatever, even like school shootings and guns, like so many things like this are, the problems are not intrinsic to the technology. It's more no. the use of it. No, it's a symptom of uh, other societal issues. You know, mm. if, 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 if you're the, there, obviously there will always still be people who like to, to, to absorb themselves. It's like people who are always playing video games or always doing X, Y, Z. Um, but you know, there's a reason why there's, there's escapism there. I mean, there's something that's causing that. It's not just like, obviously there are people who really love it, but the ones where it becomes an actual issue for them, where they're not taking care of themselves physically and they're not mm-hmm. like, you know, cleaning themselves. I, I think back to like episodes of like South Park, the episode of like, wow, where they become like super unhealthy and all they're, all they're doing is playing on their computer. Oh, that's the best mom, more hot pockets. I know. So it's like that, that's still a reality and that can happen. And that's, um, but that's the thing, even if there's a, those cases where that happens, you know, yes, sometimes it's just people really loving it, but all of it can just be cut. It's a symptom from other issues. Um, mm-hmm. in their home life or, or societal issues. So yeah. anyways, like, the, like the, I, I tend to focus on the, the positive aspects of, of that technology because it's going to help bridge so many gaps um, yeah. for people and uh, for allow sure. some crazy creative expression. Uh, be like a really, truly. Uh, and mm-hmm. like the, the audio and visual blending, like you have VJs at shows, but now those VJs are going to be creating yeah. VR experiences. Yeah. I can't even imagine where it's going to go. Like it's that, that's the weird thing about technology right now. Like, and that's what was so cool. I was talking to blue screen about this recently, but that was why the nineties were so cool. Cause we had all these different iterations of tech where it's like, yo, what are you on? And what are you on? What are you getting? And you learn about all these different things, like all these different Nokia phones and desktop computers and different, there's just so many different things. But now everything's the same. It's all HD. It's all 4K. All the phones are the same. And uh, a new innovation doesn't really look that different. So I'm excited that like VR was huge. Bitcoin was huge. Like we don't get that many now, right? No. So and, I mean, this a next lot of, um, stage of VR. It's just like the music industry. A lot of the people who are in control of that stuff don't really want to take risk. Anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Film industry too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it was cool, but then now it's like, there's so much data driven money focus that 
the weird experiments kind of just don't happen or aren't funded or um, are, are lacking funding. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why Sad. I, it's like, like, again, like thinking about the phones, the sheer amount of different phones, the sheer amount of different things. Now it's like, okay, uh, you got an iPhone or you got uh, one of a few Androids that are the big ones. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. Um, mm-hmm. But when you have a new medium come out, it is very wild, wild west where you have lots of weird creative expression and lots of stuff can be done. Like the, the cool part about VR is there are no standards when it comes to the creation of, of what your experience could be like, like especially like movement mechanics, like you see teleporting, but you got others where uh, you flap your arms or you're, you are acting like you're rowing and you're moving. It's like there's the, the, the ways you can move and experience and travel mm. are um, only limited to the person who's creating it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how we get these experiences into people's lives and not just have them have to be convinced to go to a VR bar for an hour, you know? Oh, exactly. Which is why, like, when you have things like the Quest come out, it's so much more consumer friendly. If you can spend, um, like, at the same cost or cheaper than a game console and it's all self contained. You're mm-hmm. finally hitting a market that you couldn't before. Yeah. Um, so especially like um, like both consumer and enterprise, it becomes more tangible. You don't have to say, yeah, 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 but you have to have this uh, big-ass computer or you have to wear this vest that holds like this little mic- microcomputer on your back. Like now it's just, oh, yeah, just yeah. put on the headset. You know what I uh, just thought about <laughs> randomly? Wii Sports and how innovative that was and how it got into the – living rooms of families and oh, yeah. got moms playing games and shit, you know? Like the Wii Fit craze too? Yeah, like, Wii, Wii Fit, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Wii yeah, Sports Wii, and Wii, Wii Fit. Wii, and Wii Sports, that was so wild. The Wii was, again, that's one of those ones where it was such a mm-hmm. experimental thing. Nintendo, as they have so many faults, they also have really brilliant ideas and they're willing to take risks a lot of the time. Um, you know, sometimes. But uh yeah like the Wii craze and how that like motion controller and all that stuff and then all the other companies tried to follow behind them like oh we, we got our own motion controller and then it fails miserably um i think of like move from uh ps playstation yeah the yeah. xbox one was worse too wasn't it yeah i don't even think about that connect well, was it well connect was okay it wasn't bad it had other features too big. right people forget that um that the PlayStation VR controllers are literally move controllers they modified because they didn't sell enough moves. Oh, really? Yeah, they're literally just move <laughs> controllers modified. Wow. It's, it's sort of like, oh, fuck, nobody bought our shit and turned into a VR controller, which is why yeah. they suck, which is why they're not great VR controllers because they weren't yeah. meant to be. There's <laughs> um, my hot take. Yeah. Uh, come at me, Sony. Come at me, VR people. I don't think anybody really has the opinion that PSVR controllers are good. They're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of VR, um, I, obviously I've got like kind of like my own little side projects, and I've got I've created multiple game design documents on some ideas. Um, and one thing that I am slowly working on is a project with Tropical Virtual. Um, I don't know if you've seen his art at all on the on Twitter or anything. 
No. So I'll send it to you because I want you to check it out. Tropical. Virtual. I'll just pull it up. I got it on my Twitter. Ow. Ah, oh, damn. Fuck you, Twitter. Whatever. It worked. Tropical virtual. Oh, my dear Lord. This is so good. Holy shit. I've never seen anything like this, man. Oh, my God. I'm mesmerized. So he's a 3D artist. Oh, and shit. He's, he's done a bunch of stuff recently for people. Dude, uh, this is all vapor, too. Yeah. Oh, there's a section for it. Oh, dude. FM Skyline Triangle? <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, so, my God. So there's his, there's his Twitter. But uh, he was on... He was on, I, I swear to God, he was on this podcast. That tropical virtual? No, no. He was on some podcast. And I remember I this was like a year ago. And he had said like, yeah, I really want to do VR stuff someday. I just don't know how to code. So then I reached out to him. I'm like, hey, uh, you want to do stuff? That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, plus, he has a very killer aesthetic. And so I, I don't Holy want to spoil shit, too much ever... about it. Okay. But um, we are slowly putting together a VR game experience from nice. some of the aesthetics that you see from his art. Damn. Hell yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. So it's uh, something that you won't see anytime soon, but just feel like I'll say, I'll uh, yeah. mention that. Little tease. Uh, little tease. But yeah, man. Um, cool. Like, I know we want to slowly wrap things up. So, like, uh, uh, I can say for, like, future stuff that I'm working on right now, obviously you see the cyberpunk stuff for my music. I may or may not have some collab stuff coming. It just depends on how some things go. Mm-hmm. Um, I have those two cassettes coming out and on Pacific Plaza for, like, the, the, the porno repress. Or, well, I guess, re dub and reissuing and uh impurity for the first time oh yep so and then other than that man like i am still doing some music but i am trying to focus a lot on vr um Mm -hmm. and really give that a lot of uh attention nice that'll be a great uh career path i imagine too if you get really good well, it already seems like it is your career path in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we want to briefly chat about that, I mean, I mostly work in web. Um, I've I've had experience in making game stuff, like doing game development, and um, I started learning how to program when I was thirteen. I was teaching myself. I was I was that weird kid who, in like high school, like walking in between classes, I was dreaming about how I can improve my interfaces. For wow. some, it was like so. It was some weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like so. That's cool. Uh, you know, I, I was I've been doing that for a very long time, and I finally got to the point where I, I'm proficient enough to finally kind of step into the VR realm. Um, wow. So it's it's been a very weird learning pro- process, and there's a shitload I still have to learn. I'm very um, fresh when it comes to a lot of it, but it's, it's one of those things where it moves so quickly that you can never really be great at it. You're going to yeah. just have to find stuff that you learn about and implement as you go along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, congratulations on sort of making it to this state, you know, finally having all the tools on your, on your belt. Yeah. I, I mean, Hey, the, all that stuff is fun, but I, I still am loving making music. It's like the, again, like I mentioned earlier, it's very yin and yang for me where yeah. I get burnout from doing code. So I have to make music. But then I focus a lot of time on like I'm working on all weekend or when I get off work on music and I get burnout on that. So then I shift back over to doing code. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. So, Seems like a great so people recipe. can know I'm not giving up on vaporwave music. I'm just yeah not, it's not 2015 anymore. You're not getting an album every three months. Yeah. That's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not the reality. For um, sure. So. Awesome. Well, I got a few more questions for you and then we'll sure. hit the road. Favorite cheese? Favorite cheese. Uh, Gouda or Swiss? One of the two. Okay. Very nice. I'm going to have to say Cheez-Its. Uh, well, yep, hey, yep. Oh. I, I, I don't uh, know I, if you remember from the pad oh, event or if you I, caught I, it. That no, was a running joke. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm more of a, a goldfish. Yeah, the goldfish crew. I'm, I'm the gold. I'm the goldfish gang. Yeah, goldfish gang. Yeah. Also, I have another controversial opinion. I don't okay. Know why? What's wrong with me? I do love Cheez-Its, but I don't know why. As a child, I preferred cheese nips over Cheez-Its. Ah, cheese nips are grand. It's a different flavor. And that's, it is. It's, it's, it's texture. People would disagree with me, and I totally get it. But it's it's a weird mental childhood thing. I enjoyed the cheese nips more. Mm-hmm. No, they're smooth. They like the way they go in your mouth. It's, it's like they're oily, sort of too. It's it's <laughs> yeah. very it's different. A little different. Mm-hmm. Um, who in vaporwave inspires you? It's changed throughout the years. By far, uh, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier. I think that the big ones in the beginning for me were uh, Echo Virtual, um, uh, Cat System Corp, um, and then there's a few other uh, Donovan Haraku. Mm. I've, I've like a lot of those earlier ones that were really big inspiration on me. Eyeliner, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mesh, like those, like just those OGs. Yeah, but uh, I would say that the biggest two ended up being uh, Eco Virtual and uh, Eco Virtual and um, Cat System Corp. But yeah. as as it's progressed, it's changed. Like I said earlier, I think um, like I, I w- I'm inspired to make that um, cyberpunk thing because I've been hearing Maggie and also some of the stuff that uh, James from DDS has done in his like side projects. I was listening to. So mm-hmm. that's brought some inspiration for me. Um, yeah. DDS ended up being a larger inspiration for me. Like when I made yeah. Demise, it just kind of comes and goes. Awesome. All right. And last question. If you have any tips for someone to trying to create a Vaporwave concept album. Hmm. I would say the, at least in my case, the most successful concept albums are based on your own personal experience and nostalgia. So mm. like looking back to a time or place that you had or experienced like, Oh, I remember like I mentioned the skate rink thing, or I mentioned the fun station place um, like stuff like that. 
if you remember that one place you went to when you were a kid that really stuck out with you or, or you had a lot of memory with, and you heard music at those places or you heard different sounds, um, or you just want to put someone in the mindset of where you were back then, I think that's a really great place to start instead of trying mm. to like create some abstract one, at least for, for me, it's easier to do that. Um, so uh, I think that in my book wins over, I'm going to create some weird abstract story and instead pull from something that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. Actually in film, they say when you're writing a script, I guess any story, if you're writing a novel too, you want the best place to start is with what you know already exactly yeah that's that's something that a lot of Shit. people get themselves stuck in like i'm gonna create some weird uh virtual something lost dystopian so i'm like okay yeah it's i mean that's cool and you can create that aesthetic but like what does that mean to you is it anything mm. other than just an abstract thing and that's fine but I think things that a lot of people enjoy, like myself, is something that's a little bit more uh, pulled from one's own experience. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Any shout outs you want to give before we take off? Um, I can actually uh, mention one more thing because this is coming out in a little bit later yeah. time than when we're sitting here recording. Um, I am putting together a DMT tapes live show. Uh, what? Yes, you've heard it here. Holy uh, shit! It's DMT tapes. Holy uh, crew only. Holy shit! I have 50, Dude, right now it's fifteen crazy. artists. Um, that is coming. Uh, some of the people I can pull this up real quick. Some of the people that we have coming are three blasts, as you can imagine. Corp, Bodyline. Cobalt Road, Dan Mason, Dante Marzahito, uh, Echo DDT, Fantasy Deluxe, Hex, Hexadecimal Incarta, me, <laughs> Sheep. Dude, Fantasy Deluxe? Uh, Stevia, oh my god. Stevia Sphere, Trash Ghost, and uh, Trucks Passing Trucks. Dude, Trucks is playing as Trucks Passing Trucks? No yeah. way. Yeah. Alex. That's amazing. Yeah, so dude, this is gonna be sick! Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So, Damn. so the, the and the, some context with this, a lot of it has the reason why this came to be is because um, Vito has um, so not as many people realize this, but he has um, chronic um, illnesses. Yeah, and, and basically has reached the point where it's really too difficult for him to continue being public facing and doing a lot of the stuff like managing the album because there are times where he is basically bedridden for multiple days and mm -hmm. can't do anything um and he doesn't really talk about it too often um yeah. but recently on his twitter i'm sure you have seen he basically posts like hey i i, I you know he's stepping back so yeah the the big part about this is it's a wonderful artist showcase but we're going to be raising funds to, to give to him directly because amazing. Think, yeah. Because out of pretty much anyone in the scene, I think he is the most deserving of uh, love from artists and people, other people in the scene, because he's been the most supportive uh, person I've ever experienced in the scene and has helped so many artists get off the ground. For sure. There's no one that touches him as far as that goes. No, no way. 
so the the big thing is we're, of, of raising money and everything's going to go just directly to him so one awesome. of the big things he always wanted was a uh, a dmt show so mm-hmm. we're gonna do that and we're gonna Fuck uh, yeah. send him some uh some goodies that's amazing well very much looking forward to more information to come on that um i'm sure i'll have had that information already by the time this episode comes out but yeah that's incredible man i'm so stoked and um shout out to you for helping coordinate that yeah and the final shout outs would be uh data girl who's helping me uh the rebrand as well as she's helping organize this too uh shout outs to 3d blast for being being the homie and uh he's gonna be hosting it uh nice and Wiz and Dan Mason and and Christ and awesome the whole as it's known, the whole crew the 3D crew yeah <laughs> you know amazing man um, that is the best any, anybody best who news. has been listening to me for as long as I've been around I really appreciate it this was really just a fun project for me and it's I've seen a lot of crazy comments about how I've affected certain people's lives and it's pretty wild and. Uh, Thank yeah. you for sharing when it does, uh, because it, it generally makes me want to continue making stuff. So um, awesome! Yeah, and thank you, man, for for reaching out to me about getting on this because it was a ton of ton of fun to chat about. Yeah, for sure, no problem, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Cool, cool, cool. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Blue, uh, sorry, Nano Shrine, <laughs> Blue Screen. I'm Blue Screen now. That's amazing. Nano. Yeah. (laughs) Absolute thrill talking to you, my friend. Stay well. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode with Nano Shrine. It was a lot of fun getting to talk to you, my friend. You are incredibly talented, and I can't wait to see what you come out with next. Everybody, give Nano Shrine a follow, nanoshrine.com. And Twitter, NanoShrine. You can find them anywhere under NanoShrine. Very easy. If you caught the DMT anniversary event for Vito, we raised just over $2,000, which was absolutely incredible. Definitely give that VOD a check. Some great music and some great visuals. A lot of those visuals for the different artists actually created by NanoShrine. To name a few, Trash Ghost himself, Dante Mars, Ajito, if I'm not pronouncing that wrong and body line so definitely check out 3d blasts twitch channel twitch.tv slash 3d underscore blast for that vod it's actually a very nice video at the end of the vod um, where a bunch of artists sent me videos and i cut a nice little thing together of everybody in the community saying their thank you to Vito because vaporwave wouldn't be what it is today without him i think we can all uh, agree on that Anyway, thank you everybody once again for checking out the episode. Check out our website, privatesweetmag.com. Check out our YouTube. Check out our Patreon if you want a physical copy of an upcoming magazine. We've got issue, we've got an issue coming out in September and a lot of exciting things going on this summer as well. So keep your eyes peeled and as always, take care of yourself and we'll see you next time.
cream. Say me you melt up my body and all my heart.
Peace to you.